21st century Doing something mean to it Do it better than anybody you ever seen Do it, screams from the haters Got a nice ring to it I guess every superhero need his theme music No one man should have all that power The clock's ticking, I just count the hours Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power <laughs> It's okay. Todd's going to get used to this board here in a bit. Welcome to the hot seat here on utaradio.com, iHeartRadio, Radio FX, and as always, streaming live on Facebook Live. Check out Micah Cole for the live stream. We have the star score up. We have the NBA playoff score up. So hopefully those will keep updating and not (laughs) flip out like they usually do. But uh, the big news is is that we have UTA women's head coach, Krista Gerlich, in studio today. Thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad to be here. Oh, man. Um, we've been trying to get you on for a couple of weeks now, and uh, we're just very excited. We think that you are, I, I personally think you're one of the smartest basketball minds that I've ever encountered. Aww. I mean, just hearing you talk about the game is, is amazing. Thank you. Thank you we for that. We absolutely enjoy every press conference we go to. Like, oh, I love it. Sometimes yeah. I'll just go to the games just for the press conference. I'm not even <laughs> he's, not, he's, he's, he's not lying. He's absolutely right. I'm it's, so serious. Well, I hope they're like, like not winning press like, conference. I'll just sit there and watch. Most of the time they have yeah. this season. That's the <laughs> That's good thing. True, I also yeah. enjoy watching the team, too. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate y'all's support so much and the fact that y'all went to all the way to New Orleans <laughs> for us and, and just your your I mean your support all year long. You know, I've been there and uh, it's been awesome and I appreciate y'all. Well, Coach, I want to take it back to the very beginning because you have been in basketball basically your entire life. So yep. we asked Sierra the same thing. I mean, has it was it always basketball with you? I mean, was there any other passion you wanted to do? So, um, you know, my dad was my coach in high school, so I've been around it like Literally, I think I went to my first basketball game when I was two weeks old. Um, apparently handled it really well. So that was a good thing. But um, so, yeah, so I've been around it forever. Um, but when I went to school at Texas Tech, uh, my first semester, I was a business major because I was like, my parents are, you know, high school teachers, coaches, and I'm going to make money. And like within the first semester of the business introdu- introduction to business class, it weeded me right out of there. <laughs> and I was like, OK, this is not for me. And my second semester, I was like, you know, I don't know why I'm fighting it. I love basketball, everything about it. I've studied it since I could walk, and um, and that's what I wanted to do. So, yeah, pretty much maybe for one semester, <laughs> for, for like three months, I maybe thought I didn't want to be a basketball coach, but basketball has been my life. Well, Coach, for you, like I have a specific question. Was there a particular inspiration for you to play basketball, like anybody growing up that you particularly enjoyed watching? Yeah, well, I don't know about enjoyed watching as much as like my dad just being my coach. You know, I mean, I like I said, I had been around it um, since I could walk, and uh, and I just loved it so much. I loved watching him. I loved wa- being around his girls. I got to go to all the camps um, really, really early. Um, I just got to be right in the thick of things. And so when you're around that, um, I think you just – you know, as a little girl, that's what you want to be. I mean, you, you you love those girls. I mean, I have many, many, many role models that I looked up to. They're his former players that that I even reach out to now as um, on Facebook. That I say, man, I, I, you were my <laughs> idol, you know. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? And and I just think that's really cool. And I think that's important for for girls you know, college age now to realize so many people are looking up to them. But um, yeah, so I don't know that it was a particular person as much as it was my dad um, because just because I was around it so much. That's a good one. Coach, it's not every day that you get to play with two Hall of Famers, a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame player in Cheryl Swoops and Marsha Sharp. Uh, what was that like yeah. in your career? What, what, what was, not everybody gets to do that. And then also winning a championship. Yeah, well, um, I mean, so blessed. I was so blessed to be able to be a part of... of um, of such a tremendous run, you know, but, but 
when I went to Texas Tech, um, you know, Coach Sharp was awesome, and and I that's one of the reasons I went there. Um, my little fact: when I was in high school, my um, assistant coach yeah. was um, from Lockney, which is where. Coach Sharp was from. And so she played for her when she was in high school. And so I remember asking her, you know, when I was going through the recruiting process, you know, what do you think about Coach Sharp? And she told me, she goes, I'd run through a wall for her. (laughs) And that resonated with me. I mean, the fact that I'm 48 right now Mm -hmm. and can remember that she said that to me when I was 17, you know, I mean, that was huge. And so... That was a huge part of it, and and um, just being able to go there and and uh, be a part of something special. I mean, when I went there, I wasn't thinking we we're going to win a national championship. <laughs> There's no way, and uh, I, mean, I didn't think there was no way. I just that wasn't on the radar. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah. I'm going there because it's close to home. I'm going there because I love Coach Sharp. I love the players, and it's a it's a program on the rise. Maybe we can do something cool while we're there. <laughs> we did something really cool, <laughs> you know. And then two years later, Cheryl Swoops comes along. And so, um, obviously, I mean, we we did some really great things my freshman and sophomore year. We made history my freshman and sophomore year. But then when Cheryl Swoops was added to the mix, it just took our stock way up. And, um, I mean, to this day, I will fight anybody to say that Cheryl Swoops isn't the best player, um, women's basketball player, to play the game. Um, and, and, I mean, I'm just very adamant about that. And, and then also to play for Coach Sharp. I mean, I was just so blessed. And I really don't even know that at this point in my life that I really realize how amazing that is. What was it like to be a part of that championship run, just like as a whole, like as a as a player? Like, had to been an like, emotional yeah. roller coaster. Well, okay, so let me just take y'all on a little ride. Like, okay, uh, this might take a little while, but we have plenty of time. We got plenty of time. So, um, my junior year at, at Texas Tech, we got beat in the Sweet Sixteen by Stanford. And they ended up winning the national championship that year. And so they were supposed to repeat the next year. Well, the next year, we just happened to open at Stanford. And so when we were at Stanford that first year, they dropped the national championship banner on us. Mm. Yeah. So we were like, whoa, you know, like, what is this happening? You know, what's happening right here? And uh, so we, we lost that game. Just a little side note, because these are a lot of little things, little superstitions along the way. We wore black shoes for the first time at Stanford. <laughs> big mistake big mistake so we lost and i look like i mean i was like look like i was running in sand the whole time oh so yeah so black shoes weren't in back then and that was the first time so that was you know yeah. so my white legs and those black shoes was not a good thing so they um so yeah so they so they dropped the national championship banner on us we lost we keep playing keep playing we go to utah at some point utah's nobody like we're winning 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 we go to utah and Utah beats us like bad, like by 2030. Like it was crazy. And we were like, who is Utah? You know, like what is happening to us? Again, we wore our black shoes. Mm-hmm. Second time we've worn our black shoes. Do y'all see the trend? Yeah. 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 All right. So we keep playing. We start conference. Conference is going great. Blah, blah, blah. Um, at that point, Coach Sharp says, get rid of the black shoes. Like we're not wearing the black shoes anymore. Well, the whole reason that we had the black shoes, which we didn't realize is that Coach Sharp had bought us black uniforms, and she wanted us to wear black shoes with the black uniforms, Mm. but the black shoes came in before the black uniforms did. (sighs) So the first time that the Red Raiders ever pulled out black uniforms, all black uniforms, was when we went to Texas. Okay, but I need to back up. (laughs) <laughs> I do need to back up for a second because we played at home against Texas and um, 
and had a great game. It was amazing, blah, 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 huge rivalry, whatever. We ended up losing in the last few seconds. And they called a block on me when it was clearly a charge. (laughs) (laughs) That was a huge thing. Like I had, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. But I had people calling me, like fans calling me on my answering machine and saying, I've been watching this on my VHS. And I'm rewinding it and rewinding it. And like, it is clearly a block. It's clearly, (laughs) I mean, clearly a charge. It's clearly a charge, you know. That's just funny. But anyway, so we lost that game. Then we go. So that's those are our three losses. Those were our only three losses of the year. So then we go to Texas. And Coach Sharp bust out these black uniforms for us. And they were so cool. And uh, But we wore white shoes with them because <laughs> we had burned the black shoes already because we had two losses, you know, at that time. And we beat Texas for the first time on their home court. Oh, wow. And we actually won the Austin American Statesman um, Best Pre-Game Strategy Award for busting out the black uniforms. Yeah, so it was kind of cool. But anyway, so once we won that game, like I just feel like our team never thought about losing again. Like we got on such a huge roll and such a huge um, just momentum that it never entered our mind to lose. And so as we're going through this this season, we just started getting more confident and more confident and more confident. And all of a sudden, we go to the regional tournament. And we got put in the same regional tournament as Stanford. Mm-hmm. So they're the, re- they're the returning national champions. They are picked to win again. And we're on the opposite side of the bracket of them in the regional tournament. So we're going to play this regional tournament. Well, they play Colorado first. We play USC with Les- Lisa Leslie. Yes. And we torch them. <laughs> yeah torch them like we beat at usc by like 25 or something and that was my career high like i had 26 which that was my career high and of course cheryl swoops has 33 right <laughs> like i'm seriously you can't let me have let me have one day like you can't have one game it was her birthday so okay but um anyway so we win that game and then stanford plays colorado we feel sure we're gonna have to play stanford in the in the elite eight and colorado beats them and so it was just random. Like, that was just one of those nights where Colorado got hot, da 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 they beat them. So then we play Colorado in the finals, and we just torched them. Like, seriously, we beat them by 20 as well. Mm-hmm. And I, to this day, I tell people, like, you have to have a little bit of luck. When you win the national yes. championship, some stars have to align just a little bit. Like, you have to get a couple of calls. You have to not get hurt. Maybe somebody gets upset along the way. Well, for us, Stanford got upset because they had already beaten us once that year. So it really was just in the stars for us. And that ride was just so amazing. And and when we won that regional, we at that point, we were just like, we're yeah. winning. You know what I mean? Like We're going to the Final Four, and we're winning. And that's kind of how it happened. I mean, we went in as the underdog. We were the lowest seed in the Final Four. We played the top seed in Vanderbilt mm-hmm. um, and beat them in the semis and then played Ohio State in the finals. And it was just amazing. And I just I just can't even explain to people about the ride. But I try to tell my team that as I go through the season, like in particularly this year, because we got on quite a roll at one point. And I said, you know, when you get on that roll, like it's just it just builds your momentum and your confidence. And you just are like, 
you never even think about losing. You just keep playing the game you love and, and with so much confidence. And and um, and it's just such a fun ride. And for luckily for us, it ended with a win. And mm-hmm. it was amazing. It's changed all of our lives. Was that something when you won that championship? Did it set in right at that moment or did it take no, forever? For, yeah, yeah, I mean, forever. Um, I mean, we were crying yeah, when it course. happened because we were like, oh, my gosh, this <laughs> happened. But I will tell you this, like, um, you know, and with Texas Tech men having such a great run this year, um, it brought back so many memories. <laughs> I mean, especially seeing the crowds and just the following that Texas Tech had. I mean, oh, my gosh, we had the same thing. And it's just it's chilling to watch. But um, whenever we won the national championship, we're in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We don't have cell phones. Yeah. We don't have social media. We have no idea what's happening back at Texas Tech. Well, the kids are going crazy, much like they did, you know, for the Texas Tech men, but in a safe in environment. A safe yes. <laughs> they that were not burning wild, anything dude. down. Flipping no cars. Oh, yes, cars. we'll talk about that later. But whatever. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to harp on them too much. But, um, but yeah. So we didn't know. But apparently, the kids that they were all watching in their dorms. And after the game, they all just streamed out onto campus, like just running out onto campus and going crazy, running around, whatever they got in their cars, you know, running around crazy. Well, the cops, the policemen, they blocked off all the entrances to tech and just let those students have a blast. Oh, wow. And that was my whole message. I actually tweeted to um, to Texas Tech, to the, to the students there, and was like, the cops want you to yeah. celebrate wisely. They want you to celebrate. <laughs> it's such a great thing for everybody. Like, they don't want to be the bad guys. And um, it was amazing to know, to understand. Actually, we didn't understand what was happening until we got back the next night. And the next night, they picked us up in limos. They took us to the stadium, mm-hmm. to the to football stadium. And there was 40,000 people in the stands waiting for us and back and at that time the men's basketball championship was happening at that very time and for there to be 40,000 people in the stands welcoming us Mm -hmm. instead of seeing that championship game was just that's when we went wow what did we just do like I'm not sure what we did you know (laughs) it was incredible and you if you see the video of us at that you can see us all going like our eyes are huge, our our mouths are wide open, and we're just going, this is incredible. And so I think at that point, you kind of figured out, okay, we must have done something pretty massive here. Yeah, my mom, she was talking about how she still remembers that day when y'all came amazing. back. And she was like, the outpour was insane. It was incredible. I mean, it was something I'll never forget. And that's what... That's even what I want the Texas Tech men to understand, even mm-hmm. though they lost. Um, I mean, that what they've done for that community and that university and, and that area is just, it's it's insurmountable. And, and I mean, I just m- amazing things will happen. And I mean, we couldn't go to a restaurant after that without somebody <laughs> saying, I'll buy your meal. Can I have your autograph? Let's take a picture, blah, blah, blah. And that's it, incredible. Would you say, it might not be, but would you say one of your greatest accomplishments at Tech is having your number in the rafters? I, you know, yes. I mean, obviously, the championship is by, by far the best. I mean, because that's that's a team thing. That's a thing that we did together. Something I never would have guessed would happen. I think the the jersey and the rafters is something that I'm like. Are you kidding me? Like, I never, I might have dreamt of being a national champion, but I never dreamt of having my jersey in the in the rafters. And I don't go back there much, although my parents live there, but I don't go back much to the arena. Mm -hmm. But I have people, my friends that go back and any, they're in there for a graduation. They're in there for, 
whatever it might be. And they'll take a picture of it and send it to me. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we saw your jersey. And I'm like, and it just kind of warms my heart a little bit, you know, that it's still up there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it really is retired. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never would have dreamt that they would retire my jersey. And that's all Coach Sharp. I mean, she just Mm -hmm. she was like so gracious and so, so great about including me in that. But coach, uh, I want to ask more about the daily routine. Like, what was it like on a regular basis being a part of this team, just on a regular basis with these phenomenal players and obviously your phenomenal coach? And you're still talking about Texas Tech, right? <laughs> yes, still, at tech, still, at tech. still talking about um, Tech. You know, it was just so much fun. I mean, even today we have a um, a group chat of, of oh, our really? yeah of our <laughs> oh, ninety awesome. we we call us um, ninety three natty sisters <laughs> sisters, yeah and. Um, and we just talk about everything. We talk about what's happening at Texas Tech now, whether it be the positive or negative. Um, we talk about the men's team, you know, awesome. That's so great. Um, to be, and on a more somber note, I mean, one of our teammates is going through a really tough health crisis right now. And um, we've all been really communicating a bunch on that. Um, and that's what I try to tell our team even now at, at, at UTA, you know, is that the moments that you share and the experiences that you go through as a team, um, they just bond you forever and, and your sisters for life. And the, and the fact that uh, the things that you go through in sports and particularly basketball, um, just it, they're, they're just bonding experiences. And, um, to be able to go all the way to the national championship it was something that we never dreamt of. But um, we're all best friends. We're in each other's weddings. Um, we keep up with each other. Um, and now we fight for each other. We pray for each other. We, we're there for one another. So um, it's just an incredible experience. And, and to be a part of that team was was amazing. And, and you had uh, what got us there, and, and I will believe this for the, to the day I die was our chemistry and, and we were so unselfish. Um, we all knew that Cheryl swoops is a superstar. <laughs> I mean, clearly, you know, yeah. I mean, when people talk about her 53 points, 47 points, 42 incredible. points, you know, whatever, it was incredible. Was and player. there's not very many teams that could handle that and not be jealous or not be, you know, torn apart because of it. And we did, we were like, we don't care. Like, if she can score 53, if she can score 100, <laughs> and the other team scores 99, we're all for it, you know? And I think that's what made us so special is that we just understood what each other could do for one another. And Coach Sharp did a great job of managing that because that's a tough management. And, um, um, you know, I think it's really tough to be able to to keep a superstar intact and yet keep her supporting cast feeling worthy. And she did that. And I, it was incredible to be a part of. Before we, oh, you got one. And we had Sierra coming a couple weeks ago. It seems to be a common theme. Like the relationships you take away are one of the most important things from the college basketball culture. I mean, yeah, it's great to be on the court and play together on a daily basis, do all these things off the court practice. But it just seems like the relationships and the chemistry has been a big thing for a lot of your players as well, like well currently right now here at UTA. And I hope so because that's definitely what we preach and what we sell. Um that's what I got out of it. And so that's what I want my players to get out of it because I'm only going to coach them and they're only going to play for four, maybe five years in Mm -hmm. Sierra's case. (laughs) But, um, but at the end of the day, they're going to be friends and sisters and, you know, lifelines for the rest of their lives. And so when we recruit them, we tell them like, it's really not about the first four years of our relationship. It's really about the next 40 that we want to be a part of. And, um, and that's so true because even with our teammate right now, that's going through the health problems, um, 
that's way bigger Mm -hmm. than that national championship that we won, you know, and that's what I want them to understand is that they have a family at UTA and they have a family with the Lady Mavs and a support system. And there's going to be good times and bad times. And we're here for all of those times. And um, that's what I'm most proud of. And I love that Sierra talked about it because that means that we are accomplishing that. Before we move over to your coaching side, were you able to attend Cheryl's induction? I did uh, try the Ring of Honor. Yes. Yeah. No, I okay. didn't. And I mean, let's just go ahead and ask. Like, mm-hmm. why wasn't I inducted to that? <laughs> <laughs> right. So that, no. I mean, I'm just saying. You, you, like, they inducted. You have all, a valid case. They had two <laughs> yeah. of the three retired jerseys and Coach Sharp. Hello. But anyway, no, I wasn't. But I talked to Coach. Uh, I actually talked to Cheryl quite a bit, and she actually texted me today because she had a new number. Uh, oh. But good for her. I mean, that's awesome. I'm yeah. so proud of her. But what has she not been inducted into? Oh, that's so, you're so, <laughs> You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. <laughs> so how how did you get into coaching? Because you went from high school to West Texas A&M. Now you're here. I mean, yeah. what, how did you get into any of that? Yeah. Um, well, again, when I went to college, I thought that I wanted to do something else. Um, and I also, when I finished, so so let me just tell you about my senior year. My senior year of college, um, I'm, I got engaged mm-hmm. at Christmas. So I'm winning a national champ, playing for a national championship in the spring. I'm student teaching and planning a wedding. Like, that's just kind of what I do. Like, I just fly by the seat of my pants, and here we go. But, um, but so then I immediately went into coaching. I was immediately a head coach, well, at a high school level. And I thought, I think I, I think because my dad was my coach, I just was like, I'm going to be a high school coach. That's what I'm doing. That's all I know. I never thought about being a college coach. Um, I wanted to get married. I wanted to, you know, those types of things. So I just immediately did that. Um, and it was great. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, I was a head coach at Lockney for a mm-hmm. year. And then we moved to San Antonio where my husband's from. And I was a head coach at San Antonio, San Antonio Taft for three years. Um, and then an opening came up open at UTSA and as an assistant. And so I was like, you know what, let me just try it. And truth be told in this, this happened in the spring. And, uh, I was, I had always, my second sport was always track and I ran track, so it's fine. But my third year at Taft, um, I was really good friends with the softball coach and she goes, I really want you to be my assistant softball coach. I'm like, I don't know anything about softball. She's like, no, 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 you'll be fine. You'll be fine. And so my last year there, my third year, she was like, we switched over to softball. And so I'm supposed to coach softball in the spring of my third year. And then the UTSA job comes open and I'm like, I think I'm going to try college coaching. I'm not doing softball. So anyway, I mean, that's just a funny side story. But um, yeah, so I so I tried a couple of years at UTSA Um it was great. I, I enjoyed it. I was like, I really like this. Um, and then I was started having a family. We moved back to West Texas. My husband got a head football job. Um, so I just was going to be a mom for a little while. So I just taught, coached a little on the side here and there. And then when we were at Hereford, my husband got the head football job at Hereford. And um, Coach Sharp had finally had an opening on her staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the exact, the original staff that coached me. So that tells you something about her to have some consistency and stability like that on her staff Um, and she finally had an opening and she called me and she was like I want you to come and I was like well I can't pass that down (laughs) yeah you know so I went to uh, Texas Tech and was an assistant and that's when I really decided like this is where I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be and this is what I'm supposed to be doing I just really love um, this age like I just think there's um, so much about um, 
a girl that's from eight, you know from 17 18 to 21 22 23 years old and and there's so many transitions that they go through there's so many um uh just tough decisions that they go through there's so many it's just it's just really tough <laughs> to be a 17 year old girl and transitioning mm-hmm. into a 22 year old woman and i just really wanted to influence that that girl. And, um, so that's what really drew me to it. And, and I, luckily my path kind of aligned where I was able to do that. And, and, um, you know, from there I went to WT as a head coach and then I'm at UTA and, and it's been awesome. And I just love all of the girls so much that I've coached. Did you have any aspirations to be a pro player at all, or did you go right into coaching? Now you're thinking yeah, about it? so I went right into coaching because um, at that time, I'm going to show my age a little bit, the, <laughs> the WNBA was not around. It was three years later. Yeah. Um, so you had to go overseas, yeah. and I was in love. So I was going to get married, you know, and just go straight. I mean, like, literally, I had blinders on and was super focused. I was getting married, I was graduated, and I was going to be a head coach in high school. And that's what I did. Um I don't. I don't think that I would have done it differently back then. Now, if I was a, high, a college student now, I would absolutely try to play professionally. Professionally, whether it be WNBA or overseas. I mean, it would have had to have been overseas for me, I'm sure. Um, but just the travel experience alone, absolutely. I think, would be incredible. And I encourage encourage our kids so much to do that. Now, Coach, uh, you had your first coaching job, I believe, like official coaching, head coaching job at West Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. What was that like, you know, going into your first coaching job? Like, yeah, so I got it late. Um, they hired in September. I actually had just um, – well, Coach Sharp had retired at Texas Tech in, um, well, April, May, whatever. And I had gotten on as a um, – athletic assistant athletic director for the Lubbock ISD and just trying to make my husband had a really great job and they loved him there. He was at Coronado high school. And, um, so we were just trying to stay in the area, but it was really, really hard for me because I was like, I can't be in Lubbock and not be at Texas tech. Like it was really a difficult time in my life. And, um, then West Texas A&M came open late in September, um, which is really, really late. And, um, I grew up going to those camps and I grew up going to um, Coach Snyder's camps and and just I've known him forever and such a great program. And I was like, you know, this is a way for me to stay in the in the game um, and be a head coach because I needed head coaching experience if I wanted to coach at the college level as a head coach. And so when that came open for me to go there, um, it was it was just such a great opportunity. The thing about you, the thing about WT is that the the program was already established. They were really good, and they had really good players returning. And so I kind of walked into a really nice situation. Um, whereas whenever I chose to come to UTA, it was very different, and I had to come in and and rebuild. Um, and so the two experiences have been very opposite but very rewarding and I feel like now I've had the best of both worlds and I know what I can do um but having my own program and being able to coach my own team and um you know calling all the shots was really exciting and it it had really fueled my fire um to be to continue to be a head coach and to continue on that drive and to, to look for higher um, opportunities. Now, coming from West Texas A&M to UTA, obviously D2 and D1 are two very different <laughs> yeah. uh, levels of talent. What was that like for you coming from West Texas A&M to UTA? Yeah, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know if it's correct is the right word, but <laughs> I'm going to, um, whatever, um, I don't know, I'm going to go against what you just said. Yeah. Um, because at West Texas A&M, we had some really yeah. good teams really good teams and um 
as our recruiting spill, when we were recruiting at WT, we played for national championships and we won conference every year. Um, and there were a lot of Division One schools that we could beat. And so it was really difficult when I decided to go to Division One because I was being I was trying to be very particular because I did not want to go to a a school or a division a league that I felt like at West Texas A&M we could beat because why would I do that we're going to national cha- we could win national championships at West Texas A&M and you know it's going to be a really hard road at at a small Division One. Um, what I liked about UTA was um, obviously the investment of the administration in their program. Um, And they had not always had it. I mean, obviously, they played on a stage for Mm -hmm. years. And so for them to um, build the College Park Center, um, a $78 million facility, um, said that they were invested in athletics. I mean, in women's, men's and women's basketball, for sure. Um, secondly, they changed conferences, which I thought was huge because they needed to. Um, and to go to send that they were actually had gone from the Southland to the to the WAC. And then my first year was the Sun Belt. And that was a good conference. That was a really good conference. It was a conference that could get more than one team at that time into the conference tournament. Um, and then just the academics, the location. Um, I just felt like UTA had a lot of potential and a lot of promise. And I wouldn't have left UT, uh, WT for just any place because I could really be comfortable at WT for a long time. We could always we could always play for a conference championship, and we could always play for a national championship. Um, and so it was a really difficult decision. But going from that to UTA was probably the hardest thing I've done in my life, um, especially just taking over a program that hadn't won very many games and didn't understand um, the culture that I wanted. Um, but I but I knew the culture that I wanted to build and, and just even the um, success that I wanted to have. And it was really awesome to be able to come in and uh, that first year was tough (laughs) we won four games it was so tough but I'm so proud of the girls that we coached that year because we coached what we had and we got them to buy in to the whole process we might not have gotten the wins on the court but we got our GPA from a 2-1 to a 3-1 wow yes yes we won the Sunbelt Conference um, Academic Achievement Award that year um, you know, we we went we we understood about um, giving back and being you know trying to be in the Mav Cup and the the community service that you had to do. And then we set the tone for our basketball team. Um, and even though we won four games, we were in so many games. You know, and I know that doesn't show up on your win loss record, <laughs> but we were we were in so many games that year. And what I am most proud of is that those four seniors that we had on that team that they all are still very involved in UTA women's basketball and they come back and they're so proud of what we're doing and and they know that they started it because they laid the foundation of the culture that we wanted. Um, and then to be able to go from four wins to 17 wins the next year was huge. And, um, and, and that just showed you that we had laid the foundation. We had gone through the hard part, you know, in the trenches. And, and now we were on the up and up and, and we could just build on that. And uh, I, will be for, I will be eternally grateful um, to that first team. And I know that sounds crazy, but I just will be because they 
let us coach them. They believed in us. They come back and support us. And they know um, that what we're doing is because of them, you know, and that, that they started it. Before we continue, I'm inclined to ask you if you need any water because you've been talking a lot. Do you I need might, some? I might, yeah. Okay, I, I'll give you some real quick. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a talker. No, I, I <laughs> listen, I am too. And I was just like, I was like, because I, I usually get parched and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I should probably ask her. Mm-hmm. But um, so that first okay. season you come in and you just mentioned that you were, you had four wins. Um, What do you take first from playing with the head coach and, and Marsha Sharp and then yourself? How do you keep those, those uh, players focused and yeah. saying, hey, it will get better. And what tools do you use from Marsha Sharp that you're implementing into your own system? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't remember ever being with Coach Sharp when she only won four games, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> but I will say that, um, yeah, there's a lot of strategic, you know, um, operations going on there because you have to really be, first of all, you have to have the mindset that you can keep yourself up. Um, because you can easily get negative. You can easily get depressed. You can easily get, you know, just down. Um, but I felt like our staff worked really hard and we really tried to celebrate the small victories. So it wasn't so much the wins as it was, um, even like the, like I said, even like the, the, in the classroom, you know, but like each game that we had, we tried to have small goals and tried to achieve those goals and get better. And, um, you know, we, we would try to win 10. It, well, it wasn't it wasn't quarters at that time, but we would try to win four or five minutes at a time and um, just little bitty things. And I will say, and if you brought those those that team back and asked them that question, yeah. you know, they would be like, girl, she didn't let us off the hook. <laughs> you know, even at the end of the year. When clearly, like, in fact, we couldn't make this conference tournament. Like, I think the top eight teams made the conference tournament. We weren't going to make it. Um, I did take two of my coaches off the bench mm-hmm. and said, go recruit. Because it's not going to matter what we do in these games right here. I need you to recruit. You know, so they went, like, to the junior college regional tournament. They went to some state tournaments in high school, blah, blah, blah. So they went recruiting while um, Coach Cole and I stayed with our team. But we never let our team feel feel like they were devalued because they were still representing UTA. Um, I was still trying to teach them major life lessons. Um, And we just held them accountable. And and just to to tell you a short little story that (laughs) probably isn't that that glamorous, but one of, I believe it was the very last um, game that we played. Um, as you can imagine, you've won four games and we didn't win our last game. And so we'd won four games. Um, our seniors, you know, are, are, you know, naturally probably going really, you know, like (laughs) really, we're going to play this game, whatever. So we're in shoot around Mm -hmm. and I'm still have the same energy. I have the same expectations. I have the same drive and I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. You know, trying to keep them on track. Well, their energy wasn't quite the same. It wasn't matching. And I ran them that, yeah, in that conference, in that um, shoot around, like the day, the day of a game, like I wow. got them on the line. I am wearing them out. I mean, I'm just, I'm holding them accountable. And I'm like, you're not doing this. Like, mm-hmm. even when the chips are down, even when you don't think there's anything that you, that can be positive with this, you're not quitting. Mm-hmm. Like there's always something more and, and you have to have more pride about you than that. Like you just, you can't quit. And, and I often relate athletics and basketball and, and sport, whatever to life experiences. And, and I can get pretty um, dark sometimes and I can get pretty like, silly sometimes, you know? So I'll, I, lots of times I'll, I'll talk to them about, 
what if you're in competition for your boyfriend? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, what are you going to do? Are you going to lay down and just <laughs> let the other girl take her? You know, take him or whatever. What are you going to do? You know, but then I also can flip it to to medical, you know, and say, like, what if you have cancer? Mm-hmm. Like, are you going to let it get you? You know, are you going to lay down and let it let it get you? So, and it can be very um, emotional at times because, but it's real life. I mean, it's real life. And sports teaches real life. And so, um that day, uh, I just I held them accountable and I just was not going to let them get the best of me because I think the moment that I let them tell me that, OK, it's not worth it. It doesn't matter. Da, 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 then I was done. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you after <laughs> winning a, na- a, a national. Oh, whoosh, we're going to do that one day. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, winning a conference championship like I wouldn't be here if had I let that group on that day dictate our shoot around and i know that's hard for some people to understand but i just truly believe in it no and it sets it sets a character and a tone yeah and and it's the it's it's a culture you have to build that's right i know you know that better than anybody else you have to do that we're gonna go ahead and move into this season it was a historic season micah you can go with the first question here it was a historic season well like for y'all this year y'all came in uh projected to finish i believe first in the conference um to have little rock kind of in the way what was what was something you learned from this year in particular, like with Little Rock, whenever they kind of came up? Because you mentioned it. Occasion? Yeah, you mentioned it in that press conference in TCU. It's like we still had to beat Little Rock and we didn't do that this year. Yeah. Um, well, we were actually picked third, I think, yeah, third. Um, for a conference, um, which was OK with how many young kids we had and whatever. Um, but Little Rock's always going to be in your way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just are. And that's that's just a a. Um, a token of how much respect I have for Joe Foley and what he does for his program. But I just, um, I think that, you know, they are the epitome of what we want to become. I mean, I mean, they, he finds ways. It doesn't matter if his, you know, each year you're like, okay, he lost three of his best players and they're going to be down. No, they're not because Joe Foley's still their coach. <laughs> and um, so for us, um, you know, we still want to be able to, um, to conquer them. And, and that's going to be a huge goal for us. Um, and, and for our, the lady, Ra- the, the good Lord, lady Raiders, <laughs> the lady, it too much. <laughs> yes. The lady Mavs, um, for them in the future, it's going to be something like, you know, that's something that that's always going to be a goal of ours. And I hate that we haven't accomplished it yet. We've come so close. And I would say that if you talk to Joe Foley, he would say that about us, that we give him some of the toughest games. And he always knows that. Um, and for whatever reason, his his kids have always, you know, found a way um, to get it done against us. But But I'm not sure that Every time we've played them, even in our four game, in our four win season, that it hasn't come down to the last possession. Um, but, you know, that's just that's just a team that's always going to have a target on their back. And our kids are always going to be out to get them. And um, I'm excited about this next year and for, you know, for them to have a look at the, some of our kids um, a second time. And, and especially now that our underclassmen understand mm-hmm. what it's about. And coming into this year, you know, you, you bring in players like Katie Farrell, Clara Chastain, and everything. And we asked Clara, I mean, we asked Sierra this when she was here. Um, did it just feel like when y'all were uh, preseason that like this, this could be a year that y'all make a big run or something? You know, which is interesting. Yes. Which is interesting because when you have six freshmen, you're thinking, oh, it's a rebuilding <laughs> year, you know? And there were a lot of question marks about Sierra because she's coming off an ACL. So we weren't sure. 
I, I really wasn't sure how she was going to be. Like, is she going to be her old Sierra? It usually mm-hmm. takes a full year of playing to get back. Um, and I knew that we were a little bit limited on the inside as far as experience because we had graduated Rebecca. We didn't have anyone that had played significant minutes, um, and we were very, very young in the post. So uh, coming into it, I was like, you know, we have a chance to be to be good, but I don't know about special, you know, until we got on campus and our kids started clicking. And as they started hanging out together, and I'll tell you one of the best things, and I'm going to give a shout out to Tim Kennedy right here, that who's the leader of our SAC committee. Um, he had, he takes a group of SAC leaders, and it, actually anybody that wants to go, student athletes, can go at the beginning of the year in August um, on this retreat. And it's just basically to learn leadership skills and to and to um, bond and whatnot. Well, they opened it up. Joan Baker opened it up a couple of years ago to anybody can come instead of just SAC representatives. Our entire team went. That's incredible. It's incredible. So they just built in their own little team bonding retreat weekend without coaches around, which actually probably is brilliant because coaches aren't forcing it onto them. You know, they're doing it themselves. And um, I think when they came back, when that happened and they came back, I was like, we might have something brewing right here because that's pretty incredible to get girls to do that at this level. And for all of them to go, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. And they were all bought in. And so that was, that was pretty special. And so that's probably the point that I thought this might could turn into something. You tie a season win record of 24 this year, and you are co-champions of the Sun Belt, your first time winning a championship. And we saw the videos in the locker room after. Yeah. I mean, no one's really got to ask you about that experience. Share that experience. Yeah. What was that? I mean, that was well, crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, um, I kind of threw a little bit of a fit <laughs> before we went down there because um, we were go- our, our SID um, was having a baby, and which is great for him. Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, so we're not going to have an SID there? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Like, we're going to win, you know? And that was exactly the reason why. Like, I thought, you know, this is going to be historic, and it's going to be – I know what it's like to win, yeah. and I know what it's like to win those championships. And, and we've been working for six years to do this and to go from – where we were for wins to to that. I mean, I know it's taken us six years, but we've done it the right way. We've got the right kids in there. Um, and we've, we have such a special team. And I was like, it's going to be really special when that happens. And I've been telling our kids over and over and over, like, you just don't understand what the feeling's like until you get it done. And that game in particular, you know, we were down nine going into the fourth quarter. And so it was a little scary. And I was like, why is this not going to happen for us? You know, and I just kind of, Checked our, looked at our kids and said, "Hey, y'all got to get this done. Like, this is this is a challenge. This is what what's what's in front of us. Like, don't be denied. And just for them to do that and to suck it up and to have such great grit and toughness and and then to win that. And the thing was is that it happened at Texas State, which is great. Except it was their senior night. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm all about. I'm in the fills. Like, I'm all about." <laughs> class I'm all about like oh my god I don't want to make a scene you know whatever well I knew we were gonna and we were we were super excited about winning but they immediately started setting up for senior night mm-hmm. because their senior night was after the game and that's hard and yeah. I do have some compassion for those kids I mean um, Tasha Levitt is a tremendous wow. player and it was her last game she got you know they got beat whatever and so she was gonna be like just so I immediately told our kids we're jumping around crazy tell them good job Let's take a quick picture, get in the locker room. 
and then we'll come back out after they get done. But I don't want to I don't want to be, you know, insensitive to what they're trying to do. So we did all that. Super excited. And we we get to the locker room. Well, they didn't realize the kids and they were so funny because they were asking us beforehand. So are we going to have T-shirts? Are we going to have caps like most people have caps like because they had no idea. We're like, oh, no, that's not happening. Like, what are you talking about? Well, we had planned for that. Okay, let me tell you the pressure that that puts on you. (laughs) Absolutely. When you plan for that, because Jared Boyd, who's our ops, he was like, I have the box. I'm not opening it. Like, I'm (laughs) I'm not opening it. It's on the it's on the it's on the bus. I'm not opening it because you're like, you're going to jinx us like whatever. Nine points in the you know down nine and starting the fourth. You're like, we shouldn't have brought this box. (laughs) What are we doing? And so whenever, um, so whenever we won, it was just incredible. So then whenever they went to the locker room, we kind of got the shirts out. We started getting the caps going. We were trying to make a big scene. Da, da, da. Well, little did I know they were in there like filling their water bottles up. Oh, my. Yeah. And so then we, <laughs> we storm them and they start pouring water over. And I was like, who cares? This is so great. And it was such a great experience, such a great feeling. And those kids will never forget that moment in that locker room. You got to love it for them. Oh, yeah. We'll never forget it. And so that's what this is all about. And, you know, for them to have that experience and um, just that accomplishment. And, and, you know, I mean, and we want them to be hungry for that for more. Mm-hmm. We're going to go ahead and move into the postseason with the little time we have left. Uh, do you have you want to start with a question? Uh Particularly the first game, because I know Sierra had mentioned to us that Stephen F. Austin was her other choice. What was that yeah. like for her going into that game, knowing how I like? I feel like it's kind of ironic her final home game it's is against. So true. Like, you, you know, actually, I didn't even think about that till you said it. <laughs> I know, and I actually knew at the time. I mean, I knew when I recruited her that because Brandon Snyder, who was at SFA, who's not the coach there now, he and I are really good friends, and I remember he and I talked about it, and I actually forgot that that was her choice. Um, you know, going into that game, I was just so happy that our seniors particularly, but our team too, got to play again. And I'll tell you that one of the hardest things um, that I've done as a coach is to lose in New Orleans Mm -hmm. in that semifinal game and then try to get our team back up to play the WNIT and for them to understand that it was a big deal because we had put so much emphasis on that conference tournament, and, and rightfully so. And unfortunately for the league that we're in, it has to be that way. I mean, we're a one-bid league, and so you have to put all your eggs in that basket. And so we had talked about that, talked about I had even told the kids about, um, I think I had even said at some point, you know, that, and I don't know how far this goes mm-hmm. when we <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> on the radio, but uh, what I had actually said, you know, the WNIT is for the first losers, oh, yeah. you know, and yeah. I mean, like, that's not... The WNIT is a big deal, and we were mm-hmm. so honored to play in it. But motivating our team. I get why you say that. Yes, motivating our team to try to get in the NCAA, you know, that's what we were going for. So um, so we had already talked about all of those things. So for us to go into that WNIT tournament, like literally we had three practices. Okay, so let me put you all through this timeline. We got beat on Friday. We stayed till Sunday morning um, in New Orleans. We came back. Sunday morning, and I made them practice Sunday night because I knew we were getting the WNIT. And I said, y'all, we have to practice. Well, I mean, you talk about 
lips dragging, you know, whatever. They're so sad. We're sad. Everybody was miserable. And I was like, we're just doing a shooting workout. We have to stay in shape. We got to keep our shots going. We just have to get through it. And they actually responded pretty well. The start was brutal, (laughs) but we got them warmed up going on. And, um, and plus after getting home, so, you know, well, we left super early. And so just jet lag, not that that's not all jet lag, but you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And so that night it ended better than it started. Well, then the next day is when um, we still we had to have another practice before we knew for sure that we were in. Brutal. Like I wore them out. Like I, I mean, just wore them out because they were dragging. We didn't have energy. We weren't um, executing. We weren't. We just weren't focused. And and I understood, but at the same time, I knew what we were about to do, and we had to get there. That night, we got you know, going and we got, we figured it out. I mean, we, we, um, got the bid into the WNIT. And so I think when our kids saw who else was in the mm-hmm. WNIT, they understood that it was a big deal that especially when they saw that maybe Arkansas was in it. Cause we had had such a great game with them. I think they were like, Oh, I just don't think they didn't know. I just feel like, feel like they didn't know. And so, um, the next day on Tuesday, was a better was a better practice and then Wednesday it was a fantastic practice it was a fantastic practice and um actually yeah and um so you know that was really really tough to get them back up but they finally understood it and then going into the SFA game I was really pleased with how hard we played and it was up and down such a great game um you know we got kind of got a lead against SFA and I thought okay we're going to pull away from them well SFA wasn't going anywhere I have some history with Mark Kellogg the coach at SFA because he took my my position at West Texas A&M he coached Jordan Vessels who's on my staff (laughs) so you know we've had a little history there so it's a big game and um it's just it was really interesting the emotions that we had to go through and really fight through um, that I'd never experienced before either um, to get our kids up to play that game. I want to take it back to the uh, Sun Belt loss in the in the conference mm-hmm. tournament. Um, what I didn't even get to ask Sierra this, but what 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 was that in the locker room afterwards? I mean, I, 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 y'all when y'all came to the post conference, I mean, it, it hurt me to see. I was yeah. so upset. But I mean, what do you tell them in in the locker room right after that? You know, um, I'm a terrible loser. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just telling yeah, it's you right okay. now, exact it's totally thing. fine. Yeah, Sierra a, actually said the exact same thing. that I was or she no, was. That no, she, no, was. she yeah, was. So she, she is. She and I both are terrible losers, and so. I really have a hard time after a loss of feeling sorry for them. (laughs) I mean, I just do. Um, And especially when you think you should win. Um, And so I didn't handle it well. Um, I mean, I, I went in and um, I mean, I did have some compassion, but at the same time, I was just like, dude, we didn't show up. Like we didn't show up and we didn't, you know, battle the way that we need to battle. Now I will say this. I was so proud of the fact that we came back and tied it because the way the game was going, I was like, this is brutal. Like it was excruciating the whole game. So frustrating. I just was like, wanted to, you know, rip my hair out. And when we came back and tied it, I was like, okay, we're finally getting in our groove. We're finally finding it. But to South Alabama's credit, you know, they had already won like three freaking games or something. It's crazy. Yes. In three days. And they just, and they, you know, figured it out. And, um, so I hated that for our girls. Um, I always tell them like, I can't, I just can't have the senior moment right now. I can't, 
I have to wait because I have to get my thoughts together because I just have to decompress. And so the locker room was brutal. Um, it was sad. It was mad. It was everything. And um, even going into that, you know, that press conference, I mean, I didn't even I know I didn't handle that well either. I mean, I, I, I tried to give you know, credit where credit was due and to really thank our seniors and the things that they did. But I just, my heart was breaking for them too. And I take a lot of credit for, I mean, I take a lot of um, responsibility for that, um, that I wasn't able to get them there and to get them to that next level. And um, it certainly wasn't something that we were expecting to lose that, that game. Yeah. How shocking was that outcome? I mean, were you just like, oh my gosh, you know, it, well, yes and no. South Alabama is really good. And they, um, they actually, did not perform well during conference um, to finish seventh. Like they should, they were much better team than seventh place team. Credit to them for getting on a roll and fi- figuring out how to how to get to that point. Um, because I will even say, I'm like, it's their fourth game. <laughs> They've got to be tired. But at that point, they were just running off that adrenaline, and they were so confident. And I will say it's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And this was our kids' first game, not to mention that we had we started three freshmen. And, you know, at halftime, our three freshmen had zero points. Yeah. And I mentioned that at halftime. Like, I probably mentioned it in a very demonstrative way, you know. And, and they actually came out and really responded. But um, it's kind of too little, too late a mm-hmm. little bit. And I just hated that for them. And, um, I mean, and those are excuses. I mean, at the end of the day, those are excuses, and I hate that. Um, but I, I think South Alabama just fe- – I, I was very um, apprehensive about it because I did think it was definitely a possibility. But at the same time, I just felt like we kind of were on a yeah. roll, and I thought we could get it done. And I hated that we couldn't. I th- also thought, yeah. man, we're going to get to play Little Rock in the championship. Yeah. Third time's the charm. But that will get you beat every time. Because yeah. you're – you know, and, and I don't think we were looking ahead – but I do think we thought the stars were aligned. So mm-hmm. maybe we thought it was going to be easy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or easier. Yeah. And then we're going to go ahead and fast forward. Um, after you lose in the WNIT to TCU, um, I told Sierra this actually. is like I felt um, when y'all came into the post-conference, I mean, it just didn't – I mean, I knew you guys were ups- very upset because mm-hmm. you lost. But for some reason, it just felt like you weren't as upset as you were in the uh, – conference championship and i was telling her maybe it's because you guys thought that hey we played our best game or we at least tried to play our best game and when that happens there's nothing more you can do yeah you know that's that's great for you to say that and i think that's very true um i don't think we played our best game against Mm -hmm. tcu but i do think that our kids gave their best effort um you know i think that we could have shot the ball better and and we could have done a few things here or there um but i do think we gave our best effort and at that point when you i guess too you kind of had some time to soak in that the next loss is going to be your last game. And so you kind of can compartmentalize it a little bit better, if you will. Um, And so, you know, I don't know if that's – it wasn't quite as detrimental because I think that in the conference tournament – we wanted that so badly, and um, not that we did not want the TCU game because we did. And man, was I so proud of our fans that showed up. Man, that just gives me chills that that they showed up in the numbers that they did, and the fact that maybe hopefully that we can build on that. But um, yeah, I, I I think that we just knew that we had given our best effort, mm-hmm. and you know what more can you ask? Last now, couple co- questions. Now, coach, uh, do you think foul trouble with Sierra and? Player and Katie played a role in no that. No doubt. Yeah, no doubt. As a matter of fact, at some point in that half, um, in that first half, Coach Justice was like, we have to go back with them. Like, 
we have to, or it, it's going to get out of reach. And, you know, that's the, probably the first time all year that I put three kids back in the game with two fouls. Yeah. And you just had to. I mean, it was do or die at that point. Sometimes as a coach, you know, people set their kids on the bench um, with two fouls, three fouls, whatever it might be, and they hold them to the fourth quarter. Well, if you're down by 20 in the fourth quarter, what does it matter? <laughs> so you have to decide, do you want to lose the game in the second quarter? Or do you want to lose the game in the fourth quarter? And, um, you know, we wanted to play all the way to the fourth quarter. And so we put our kids back in. But there's no doubt that happened. Absolutely. And, yeah. Oh, you, and your yeah. kids obviously came back and brought it to a four-point game. I mean, yeah. that was a gr- tremendous effort on their <laughs> part. But do you think size played a huge part? In well, game? Like, no doubt. Jordan Moore is, I mean, yes. I mean, I had multiple people say, that looked like, you know, women against girls. And and we knew all year long that we were starting a small lineup. We had height on the bench, but not girth, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> if you will. Yeah. yeah, Jordan Jordan Moore is, like, legit. And so, yes, size absolutely hurt us. Um, foul trouble hurt us. You know, and just not getting – even when we cut it to four, I mean, we had two crucial calls that maybe we could have tied it up at that point. And – uh you know, it just is what it is. I was so proud of them coming back. And I, I can't tell you, when, when we cut it to four and our fans started yelling defense, chanting defense, uh. and it was echoing, my staff, like I was standing at my <laughs> staff was right beside me, and they were like, oh, my God, listen to that. And seriously, that's a victory for UTA. Because for UTA to have that type of presence at a Power 5 school for women's basketball is a victory. And that's what I want to um, – capitalize on and I want to to just continue to build on because UTA can support men's and women's basketball like that and I just hope they understand that they can you know and that they will continue to do that yeah and I think that's what you're I, I mean you're doing a great job at building a culture like that because it, it's even like I've never seen a coach before get on a microphone afterwards <laughs> and tell tremendous. you know the whole yeah. not just the students but the entire stadium thank you I mean that was an incredible scene. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. But I just felt like I had a captive audience at oh, that point. Yeah. And I think you, you, you definitely did. Yeah. That honestly caught me off guard, too. Yeah. I was like sitting down there filming the players, and then I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. I had to rush over real quick. <laughs> well, I just, um, I had I had thought about it before the game started because actually that day, um, Coach Justice and Coach Vessels and I went out to um, the library mall and we grabbed a huge um, banner. Uh, that you know, say game tonight, whatever, and we went up and down um, the the library mall and the 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 mall area mm-hmm. by the UC, and we we're handing out um, concession stand vouchers and like you know whatever, and just telling them please come, please come, please come, please come. We want you there, we want you there, and then and that was on game day, like we were playing that day at SF, you know, for, against SFA, and then that night. Um, when we first walked out, because students always show up late, it's yeah. okay, I get it, you know. And so there weren't that many there. We we're like, seriously, like we yeah. don't know what yeah. else to do. Like we we've done everything we can think of, and then you know by halftime, there was a great crowd, and that was our biggest student section of all time. So by halftime, I was like, if we get this done, I'm grabbing that mic because. <laughs> so you already had a plan. Yes, I was <laughs> like, incredible. I want to tell them, and then not to even. And not to take away from what happened, but even during the game, like we, it was a great game and there was games of runs and we had to have, you know, that, that crowd support behind us. And even our regular season ticket holders and everybody, we had great support this year. And I thought that our crowds got bigger and bigger and bigger, but that last one just gave me chills. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to seize the moment and, and thank them because I wanted them to know. And I was a little bit upset with myself when we, um, 
got beat at TCU because I was mad, of course, and I'm storming off the floor. <laughs> and then I stopped right before we got to the tunnel. I was like, wait, you know, we've got to think these fans and we turned around and we just waved but all of them waved. they saw us like they kept watching us all the way to the tunnel and we waved 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 and they were all waving back to us so i hope they understand how much we appreciate them and and thank them mm. two last questions we'll let you get out of here um one we uh we just wanted to did you uh get any explanation on that technical even if you remember it i mean no. none at all ever no i just i uh, know i mean not from her she yeah. never even came back that, over to that sideline we i didn't know they came out <laughs> later no and... one of the guys came over at one point and he because he had gone and talked to her and he just said he goes she said you're being unsportsmanlike okay. i said she was on the other end like yeah. i didn't even say anything like what in the world so that was a little okay, frustrating yeah, i actually have one more question about the culture in general because oh, you okay. you've been able to get some power fives coming here you got yeah. arkansas and usc how big was that for y'all, and how does that kind of set the tone for future scheduling? Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Um, what's funny about that is, um, you know, had we beaten TCU, we would have gone to Arkansas yeah. and played them. And our right. kids were, like, chomping at the bit for that. Um, but it's huge um, because we want to get Power Fives on our home court. It's going to be hard for us because of how well we played both of them and how well we're playing. It's Scheduling is hard, um, especially when you start winning and because they don't want to get beat by a mid-major. And so, um, but we are trying very, very, diff- very, very much to try to get um, home and homes even with um, with power fives so that we can get them on our court. Number one, because we, we want our our fans to be able to see a really high quality opponent. And we want our kids to know that they can play against them. And if they can play against them at home, then we would get in a tournament situation. Maybe they feel like more confident in beating them. Mm-hmm. Last question, Coach. Um What's next for UT Women's Basketball? Yeah. Where do you want to take this team, uh, not just next season, but the season after that? And with yeah. the whole new, you know, your seniors are going out now. Now you're getting a whole new kind of team in with these freshmen as sophomores now. I mean, what's next? Yeah, we we have to get in the tournament. We okay. want to go dancing. Um, you know, very disappointed that we didn't get it done this year. Um, but that's the ultimate goal. I mean, at the end of the day, um, we clearly want to win championships. And I want to win a conference championship every single year. But um, – more than that, and for our university and for this the league that we're in and everything, like we need to win the conference tournament. And I, I hate that it. I hate that we're in a situation where everything points to that one weekend. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is what it is. And so um, we we've got to go dancing. We've got to get in the NCAA tournament and and not get in it, but win in it and and put UTA on the map um, as a as a competitive, high quality. Um, you know, women's basketball program that can get in the mix. I mean, I won a national championship and I didn't go to Texas Tech thinking I was going to win one, but we did. So I'm a believer and I really feel like we can do that at UTA. And I think the Sun Belt has particularly done a good job of benefiting the higher seeds now, considering it is a one seed. Yeah. Absolutely. They've, they've tried really hard to figure it out how to get the best team into the into the tournament. And with and, the triple pods. Right. Sure so we have to we have to do our part and win those games. Well, Coach, it has been an honor to have you in studio. I know we ran a little bit over time, but I, th- I think it was uh, good to hear from you because uh, it's just fun to pick your brain because we, we both think you're one of the smartest oh. minds in basketball. And y'all so, are so great. And November. I appreciate Well, we are too, right? Yeah. I appreciate y'all. We've been talking y'all. about it ever since the last uh, game. It's like, oh my. I'm yeah, like it's November, too long, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate y'all so much. And I want to highly encourage um, all of our listeners mm-hmm. to um, to follow us on social media so that they can continue to get to keep that momentum going and not forget 
about us until November. Um, also, on Tuesday, we are having um, a team celebration, uh, which is basically we're just celebrating our, our season. It's kind of a banquet, but we're just celebrating our season. And if they go to utatickets.com, mm-hmm. they can buy tickets to come. And it would be awesome if we had some students show up. Um, but you guys are welcome as well. And uh, I think it, I think it'll be a fun time. And, and I just this season, since we won a championship, I just wanted to be selfish and have yeah. a little more time with them and to celebrate. And Absolutely. so we're going to recap the season. We're going to talk about our seniors and we're just going to let our fans interact with our kids and have a great time. Well, that is it here for head coach, Krista Gerlich. She's definitely building a culture here at UTA, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see what you have in the upcoming seasons. Thank you so much, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it. Up next, Tiger Woods is finally a major winner again. He's won the Masters. I have taken so much slack on that, but I am finally, <laughs> finally right. So we're going to talk about that here on the hot seat. You listen to utaradio.com. Welcome back. Hi Heart Radio, Radio FX, and Facebook Live. I'm Micah, Call, Cole, alongside to my left, the Birdman, Crate Branch. That was a lot of fun. I gotta tell you, I appreciate everybody uh, staying in and listening. we just went a whole. We, she got on the phone, man. She gets on the phone. Y'all, I don't know. Y'all didn't hear this, but she looks at the phone. And she goes, "We just went a whole hour straight with no commercials." I was like, "I know. It was. It was that. You know. It just flew by." And um, I thank you for everyone listening for just listening um, without the commercial breaks because I just felt like that. I was gonna take a commercial break halfway through, but I just felt like Micah that that was something that just needed to ke- just keep going. I mean, that was just. We had a pretty and good I, flow. And yeah, and I knew that that conversation would happen like that, and so. Um, I'm I'm really glad it went like that, and I thought we did a good job. And um, I knew just having to you know pick in her mind, it was it was going to be uh, that long, and it was going to be informative. And I just felt like you couldn't you just couldn't break it. I was going to try to break it, but you couldn't. But um, oh, we no. once again yeah, we once, think once we got in the flow, there was no stopping. But yeah, I really enjoyed having we, her in here, and I hope we get to do it again. Right, and I mean we're got the I have a lot I have some segments on on Facebook Live right now. We're gonna have to cut some out, but that's okay. Um. <laughs> But man, yeah, it um, this was a special experience. that that was a lot of fun, and I hope you all enjoyed it. I mean, she she is going to change culture here at UTA. You can already see it. Oh, you can yeah. honestly you can already see, see it. I mean, obviously, she brought this program her first year four wins. Now she's at twenty four. She got her hundredth career win this year as well. I wanted to mention that, but I totally forgot because we were we were doing such a good job with yeah. everything around. Turn your mic up there, go. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm not good. trying to be too low here or anything. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> Finally, I don't know if I can announce this with like <laughs> freaking screaming or something like that, man. But do it. It Go feels so it. good. This is listen. Hey, my dad's out there too. So ch- oh, shout it, shout so, it. Tiger Woods is officially a major winner <laughs> once again for the first time in eleven years, man. And the first time in fourteen years, he's won a Masters. Ah, uh, oh my gosh. I've been telling. I've told you this over the break. I've been just telling people so many years in a row. I've taken so much criticism, so much crap. You know, he's never going to win at King Crates and he's never going to do this. I'm like, just trust me. He's going to win another major. He's going to find a way. And I didn't, we'll talk about how he won it here in a second. Um, but man, uh, the way he did it, yeah, it was incredible. Um, I want I want to get your thoughts on this first. I think this is really cool from someone who you know you you do watch golf, but you obviously don't you know watch as much as I do. So oh, I think this is no. going to be. I think the, this is going to be. And this is, and this is why I think it's going to be a cool perspective is to hear it from you, who is like 
got up at 8 a.m. You would have got. Listen, got let, me, let me say this. Let me say, this. let me think about this. So if Tiger wasn't leading that tournament, would you have gotten up at 8 a.m.? Perfect. That's why it's going to yeah. be a great well, site. This why it's going to be a great down to, but he was right there. No, I'm talking he, about like wasn't in the mix. If he yeah, wasn't he in the was mix, definitely in the mix. If he wasn't in the mix, would you've gotten up oh, at 8 a.m.? No, okay, probably. that's why this perspective but is going to be so cool. Someone from me, you that would get up and watch that for the Tiger effect, and then me that gets up and watches it regardless. So let's let's get your take first, oh. Micah. I mean, what did this win mean? It is, and I have it on Facebook. The return of the roar, man. I mean. What a scene. I mean, what? I, just talk about this win. I mean, what were your thoughts about it? Well, I, the night before, I was like, okay, I'm going to be able to get up for this. I mean, it's going to be nice. And then I see that they move everything up. I'm like, okay, 8 o'clock. But I talked to my dad, and I'm like, okay, let's definitely get up and watch this thing. I mean, it's hard for me to sit through a round of golf. But when Tiger's in it, man, it's hard. I, I can do that. Yeah. Like, it's a lot of fun to watch. And, man, I just couldn't tell you. I was just sitting there watching that whole round, and I'm just like... My goodness, this guy has just still got it. He's back, man. He, he played, I wouldn't say he's played his best round ever, but he played a really solid round for mm-hmm. considering all the circumstances. They're all being rushed to finish before this massive storm hits. It was a phenomenal day just to watch the Masters and then to see him hoist the green jacket. I got again t- after 14 years. 14 layoff. years, you know. Now he's a fifth-time Masters champion, and that was what and this is. Oh, I think continue. the special moment for me was at the end with his son. Oh, and then they brought back the absolutely father from the first one, and then the fifth one with his son. It was uh, that's a phenomenal moment. It was poetry. Um, so <laughs> what was so so? A lot of people, I think, that are and here's the thing. Before this, if you're not talking about this Tiger Woods win, I don't care if you're on a sports show or. You know, whatever. If you're not talking about this win, you are not. You cannot consider yourself a sports fan because honestly, and honestly, Mike, I'm going to tell you one thing for what? sure. I actually cried a little bit when he you have. I mean, you have I to. Couldn't. You have to. I if you're not, to. if you are not talking about this win, or you don't care about this win, and you don't talk about it on, a, you know, on a show or a, you know, debate it with somebody. I mean, this is. You know, when we, I tell you this, I told you this this whole week when when you're watching YouTube videos of Michael Jordan making the game six shot. You know, oh. or old Tiger videos, or any basketball or football play. Tom, you know, Tom Brady with the pass or anything. This is one of those moments that in 50 years it will be on YouTube, and you're going to be like, I I'm remember where I was. Kids. I remember where I was when Tiger won again. And that is such a. I, that's one thing that I don't think a lot of people realize is like that was one of the very first moments as as people like us who are all you know 21, 22, 23 years old. That's like the oh, that's the first that's time the we have had time. we've had a historic memory that's going to live in infamy like forever. That that is that that big of a moment. I'm always so, gonna remember just sitting yeah. there with my dad, eight o'clock from start to finish. No, seriously. Like, we and had so, so much fun watching this tournament and I love watching sporting events with my dad, but I'm gonna remember this one for yeah, and a I just long don't see time and I'm I don't see how you can tell my kids. How can about you consider this? yourself yet a sports fan if you're not if you're not excited about this or don't care or watching it? And um okay, I'm gonna give you my take here, Micah, is what is so cool about this uh this win from Tiger is this was not the Tiger of old. And I'll tell you what I mean. You know, obviously he's older, obviously, right? He's forty three now, but Back then, Tiger in 2005, 2003, 02, 97, 2000. Well, yeah, but the way he did it was, you know, he was not nice about it. He'd get on the court, I mean, on the course, he would take a lead, and when he has the lead, he would thrash you, okay? He'd get that lead. He wasn't nice about it. He was fist pumping, cursing up a storm, bunch of <laughs> F-bombs thrown, and, I mean, taking aggressive shots here, there, and, every, and, and, and making, you know, just a bunch of I, I, just... I, I, I'm aggressive shots is really what I'm trying to get at. And this whole tournament, what was his key? He kept saying it. I had to stay patient. I had to stay patient and I had to stay patient. I wasn't going to let 
uh, my aggressiveness ruined the tournament for me. I was going to sit back and let Francesco Molinari and at the end, Tony Finau, I mean, make the mistakes. And that is not something you see from Tiger at all. And so the fact that he did that, especially on the hole 12, which is one of the most famous holes in all of golf, you know, it gets ever because because the wind on that hole, um, you know, the hole that Molinari hit in the water. Oh, yeah. yeah. That so, was the, I believe what? it was the 14th hole? No, it was the 12th. Oh, it was the 12th? Yeah, it's the famous okay. 12th. And what well, it does. I know is the water hazard was the yeah. huge turn. And you have, to, you, you, have to, you have to club down on, on that one. Um, to get it to, first to get over there because I believe so short. around that same time they brought up a couple of other players near the top and they made some mistakes they too. Did. They did, so that got them in the but lead. You, anyways, you, on that twelve, you had the club down yeah. to uh, to get it over there, and then also that wind on that twelve hole goes in a spiral. It does not go one direction or one other direction. It goes in a circle. So if you 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 hang it up with an eight or nine iron, it gets caught and it's going down the water. And that is when you're trying to get to the hole, it's too far to do that. And rookies like Molinari and Finau, they're not rookies, but they haven't played the course a lot. That's where Tiger's expertise comes in. Is that's why he hit it in between the two bunkers on the left side. It's what Jack Nicholas always said. Uh, Jack Nicholas, and so, um, in, in just an incredible win by Tiger. And man, after coming off, you know, the back surgeries, the knee surgeries, um. The scandal, you know, just everything all, all, stacked up. All the all the sponsors that dropped them between Tacure and Gatorade, and the only ones that kept them were Nike. And I mean, is there honestly any greater comeback than Tiger Woods at this point? Think about everything he had to go to. There was a time, Micah, where God, I I, I vividly remember watching this live. He hits a he hits a, a driver, a tee shot, or it was it was the second shot, I believe, and um, he goes down. On both knees because his back hurt that much. He had to completely go away from the game of golf, you know, just a year ago after he had a surgery, a year ago, and redefine his entire golf shot, figure it out completely. And I believe last year at the Masters, he didn't even make the cut, did he? And yeah, yeah. And so, so it's like, and I what mean, a turnaround. But it's just incredible because name me somebody that's, you know, 43, okay, that has had this many surgeries, had an and has had to completely change his shot all the way around, and his body is completely torn down. We know it from the Navy SEAL training all the way up to the surgeries. I mean, wins, and wins, you know, beating these guys. And we said that people like Brooks Kepka and Molinari and Finau and whoever else you want to name in there, Jordan Spieth, they're all, it's this new wave that Tiger has created. It's these golfers that can drive the ball almost 360, 70 yards, completely outdrive out Tiger. And that's that's what you saw in the course. But somehow, Tiger found a way and a recipe to win. And that's what makes this win so incredible is that he didn't do it the old Tiger way. He did it the new Tiger way. And that is insane you to know, me. It's, it's incredible how he's been able to adjust to the game. And what he was able to do on Sunday morning, I guess I would say, it's just remarkable. Like, I literally sat there and cried at the end. I'm just like, holy crap, holy cow. Like, he just did this. And so many people, you know, that told him, you know, it, it couldn't be done. And, and he even said it himself. He said, it, it, ask him, you can look at any press conference in the past year, especially the one the other day. Um, he thought he was finished. This guy could not even get on the ground, Micah, to, to hug his kid, Charlie. I mean, he couldn't even get on the ground a year ago. And here he is. A five-time major, and now he's hugging his child. Well, yeah, exactly. You mentioned it, and that that one was so um, emotional. Yeah, touching. that picture was was incredible. That was touching. Um, I, man, 
I mean, easily the greatest comeback in sports, if you ask me. I, I mean, seriously. Made, I know he made mistakes, but I'm glad he was able to come back and finally win. And he did. And think that. about, I mean, he had to completely humble himself because I told, I can't remember who I told this, but it was on Monday. I said, um, I think it was Eddie. I can't remember. But I said, if this would have happened, if Tiger would have won his fifth green jacket 10 years ago, like right after he won um, the U.S. Open, on a broken leg, by the way, uh, won the U.S. Open, nobody would have been out there to to congratulate him, as in the other golf mates. I mean, his family would have been out there. The fans would have been out there. But nobody would have been out there that was that doesn't golf. When he won that tournament the other day, the Masters, I mean, Bubba Watson was out there. You know, everybody. you saw Ricky Ricky out there. Ricky Fowler was out there. I mean, he hugged uh, Brooks Kepka, who's one of his close friends now. even Marino now. waited for him. Yeah, Mol- Molinari. Sorry, yeah. Mo- sorry Molinari. No, you're fine. No, you're fine. And yeah, he waited for him. I mean, that's that's special. I mean, you don't you don't see um, you don't see very uh, many players. You know, that wouldn't have happened way back in the day. So the fact that that happened is just just shows you that this has been a complete turnaround by Tiger. Un- it's unbelievable to me that somebody could could actually do this. And if you're not talking about it. I don't, I don't, do you not like sports? Do you not like comebacks? We all love great comeback stories. I don't get that. You know, you know me. I love the great comeback story. And I want, I, I want to get your perspective on this because I know it's, you really haven't gotten to witness it if you haven't been watching for a while because uh, he hasn't won on this level. But what, I mean, what did you think of the crowd? I mean, just think oh, about what Tiger brings. Think about huh? this. But well, think about this. What Tiger brings with a win. Is unbelievable. This man does more for, and this is why I've tweeted this out. This is why Tiger Woods is by far my favorite athlete to ever walk the face of this earth. Well, because when he wins, it completely changes everything in the course of, of sports. You know, between sales, money, it's unbelievable what happens. The stock was rising because of Tiger. I'm going to say this in the words of my dad. <laughs> this is the best thing for sports. It is. <laughs> this is literally the greatest thing for sports. And I say, like, I, what, keep can going. it get any better than this? 14 years without winning. Well, that was a hard. I'm, that title. wasn't good. I didn't like that. Don't give yeah. it. It's worth the wait. But no, it wasn't actually. No, but, but man, it feels good now. Keep going. But it feels so good just to see him come back. And you, and you could tell by all the fans there on the last day. You could just tell everything what? was just falling into place. No disrespect to Molinari. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a phenomenal weekend. He Don't made get a mistake. Me wrong. <laughs> I mean, he made, he made a big mistake and unfortunately it cost him. But. You could just tell the whole, like, on Sunday, like, all the hype and everything just around the game and all the fans that were there. You could just tell. It was, it was meant to be. Which, and what's so great, I call this the greatest phenomenon in sports because when Tiger's leading, that's the crowd he gets every single time. It is unlike anything I've ever seen in my entire life. He has taken, not, he has revolutionized the game of golf, obviously, but to have a crowd like that, I mean, it is and, incredible to see that. And the other that. half of it is even the players admit that. Like, they came up in a minute. Yeah, like, yeah because they most, understand. Yeah. When Tiger wins, more money gets thrown into the game of golf. We win more. They're not dumb. They completely um, understand yeah, that. They so totally. They, obviously, they want to win. It must have been a special moment, though, for those players, too, at the front line. What? Like, with Tiger. To be a part of that, though, still. Like, yeah, they didn't win. Well, yeah. It must have been a special moment, though. Well, they like, I mean, yeah, they like him, but Grant, they didn't want him oh, to win. Oh, no, they, they wouldn't want him to win. No, but he's, I'll tell you this. And this a is crazy what, moment this is what to say. We, we have a few minutes left in this segment, but um, this was what I was saying was 10 years ago, nobody would have wanted him to win. Nobody would have liked He was not a liked character. He was a, I'm going to come out here, destroy you all, finish, <laughs> take my trophy, my check, I'm out. 
didn't want any part to do with anybody. And that's why he won so much. And now, after the, the surgeries and everything, he's been completely humbled. And that's that was the whole theme, I think, of this entire week was patience and humbling. And it was weird to see Tiger actually win a tournament, a, ma- a major tournament, and a Masters just like that. That is insane. I and, honestly don't think this is his last <coughs> one either. I don't think that's this the is thing. it. And I really don't. No, and that that is the I think he's set for a couple more years at least, maybe longer. Yeah. Who knows? And that 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 is um that's the thing, is now he is the is the eight to one favorite to win the PGA next month in May. And so I don't I think Tiger, and I told Dad this last night, I think Tiger has finally found the recipe on how to win in his game now. Because beforehand, the only way he could do it was by hitting aggressive tee shots. And then his driver failed him. We all know about the chip yips, you know. And so the driver, the the short game was awful. The putting was eventually at one point awful. And he was just, it was it was like Tiger, who was old Tiger, was trying to be new. I mean, old Tiger. I mean, was trying to be even old Tiger. Like old Tiger in age and back surgeries and knee surgeries was trying to be 1999, 2000 Tiger when he made the, when he had the Tiger slam and was winning majors left and right. And so now that he has found a way to say, hey, I don't have to. He, I think he was 44th in driving um, the entire weekend. But he was, I believe, either second. He was top five in greens and regulation, GIR. I mean, he hit almost every green in regulation, which was oh, incredible. Yeah. And so he has found a way, I think, to finally win tournaments and compete with these guys who can swing the ball now, 340, 50, 60 yards. Now, I, I think an advantage for him, I think he still does a wonderful job on the putting greens, on the greens. He does now. He, he still does a great job. Yeah, he, he does. He was, That's he, been a story of his not, career. Yeah, I, well, yes, but not between the span of you know when he was number one in the world at 2013, between 2014, all the way to about you know, honestly, I mean, right before his, but that's a nice right advantage before, reverse, before his surgery, and then during his surgery, whenever he was trying to play during those surgeries, he was an awful putter and terrible putter. Oh yeah, but now he's. Oh my goodness! It's one of the and best dri- things in his game. His driving is lie. still not good, but it was better this weekend than um, ever been. than I've seen in a long time. And that was the thing with Tiger was Tiger was going the only way he could win anymore was by putting together four rounds. So what you have to do at the majors, um, especially with the new young kids that are coming up, and that's exactly what he did. And he did a phenomenal job. Bailey, the entire way. You know, Bailey um, just said that he just texted me this, and this is what he did. I mean, he is the only athlete who holds the entire viewership of the of sports in the palm of his hand. It's serious. And this is why I think, I totally honestly, agree they were that, talking, actually. people were talking about him being up with Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan. I think he's past that. I think this is the greatest athlete we've ever seen in the, in the, in the world of sports, with all things considered. Maybe Muhammad Ali has, has a case, but Michael Jordan never did this. You know, no, like, like Michael never, he was a... Outstanding player, but he just went out and played. But like, but like the viewership was never like what Tiger has done for TV. Okay, maybe Ali, LeBron's never gonna be. LeBron was never like this. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. I don't care who you throw. Nobody affects the market like Tiger Woods. And think about this: they just came out with the iron, uh, new irons for Tiger Woods. Uh, Taylor made about time they finally did that. Um, Two thousand dollars. They sold more in the past seven hours after that win than they did in the entire seven days that they've had those out before the Masters tournament. And so that just goes to show you, and not to mention, you know, the Masters viewership has been up for like uh, this year more so than the last decade and the money they were getting. And I mean, it's incredible. You know, um, the golf stores have sold out of mock tees. You know, the turtlenecks that he was wearing, the red, they sold out of those. They've sold out of all his clubs. I mean, it's unbelievable 
what one what one guy, Tiger Woods, can do for the whole entire world of sports. And he's a golfer, Micah, which is insane. He's not a basketball player. He's not a football player. You know, he is a golfer. He it's incredible. And La- I also want to say something more about that uh, as far as like fan grabbing. He's probably going to get a lot of people on the course over these next few months. That's what that that, that was the thing when Tiger was winning back in 05 and 04 and 03. Everybody was playing golf. And that is exactly what you Honestly, saw the other day. The minute he won, people were picking up clubs going to play. It's like, you hey, saw, I saw, play. you know, the driving range that's right behind my house. Me and dad left to go get something to eat. <laughs> Think about how many people were there. Seriously. There was like seven, eight people there after that. I oh, mean, gosh. it's incredible. And that's a place that only holds like 12. And so Maybe, it's not the biggest you know place. What? Maybe we should go out there and golf ourselves. <laughs> I, I, it's, get our putting games going. And, and the thing about Tiger is it doesn't matter who you are, whether you like golf or not. Well, it shouldn't. I mean, if you're a sports fan, if you're a sports fan, whether you like golf or not, you're watching Tiger on Sundays when he's in contention. It is just something about the man that you watch. I mean, that was a situation where, um, oh my gosh, uh, when I can't remember what what event it was, but it was it was either at a you know an airport. I saw a video. It was at an airport or something else. they stopped. I mean, everybody just kind of stopped, and they had TVs in there, and there was like thousands of people just sitting there watching Tiger, and like it is hands down the greatest phenomenon in the history of sports. And I do not think that we will ever, ever, definitely not in golf, but ever in any other sport, see another person as influential and as captivating as Eldrick Tiger Woods. Never. Oh no, there's no way. There's just no way. I, I am sorry to say it, but not even the Warriors can do something like that. I gotta tell you, I am in awe, and it is, it is completely. It's just, it's just nice to finally see it again. And yeah, before we get before out we this, get out of here, last point. I actually have one question for you. Okay, where do you think he's gonna serve next year at the Champions Dinner? Ha ha! Uh, that's a good one. I just hit my mic. That is uh, incredible. Um. <laughs> That's a I'm good question. Curious. I, don't I don't know. know. Here's the thing. I would. I would I go. Funny I would go based off. Though, it. Go ahead and say. But, it. Go ahead and say. Uh, it's my, golf. What's what? Because I know after his first major championship yeah. at the uh, Masters, he actually served cheeseburgers and French fries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Gr- he was probably 22 back then. He was like he us was, right now. He was incredibly <laughs> he was like, young. You know, because I know that he didn't eat a whole lot of junk food back then. So he's like, well, no, he do was this. doing Navy SEAL training. So yeah. it's like, okay, I mean, why not? And yeah. my dad actually brought this up to me. He gave me this idea for um, this. What's what? And I'm like, well, why not share it now? It's a pretty good time to do it. Absolutely. But what and do you think he's uh, thinking for next? I don't know. I, I would like to tell you it'd be along the lines of that, but this is a new tiger. I'm not quite sure what we're going to see. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> um, but man, tiger woods, um, we'll pull up the live stream here in a second. Get your poll. We have a poll up here in a bit. Um, you'll see it in a commercial break. I'm asking you, I mean, is this mean Tiger Woods is back? I certainly... Oh, yes. I think it is because I think, few, I think the definition of back for Tiger... a few months ago, we actually talked about this. Is he back? Because he had a tournament where he was in the top 10. <laughs> I no, remember he, he that won. for sure. Oh, he, earlier he in the year? He won at the end of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. The P- right. Yeah, yeah, the tour yeah. championship. Yeah, he won it. I thought it was a little bit earlier than that. But we had mentioned he would... And we agreed together that he was back. And now I think this definitely... Oh, he's absolutely winning a major. Definitely, us. definitely proves he's and, back. Especially the Masters. Oh, especially the Masters. Yeah, but no. Hats off to Tiger Woods. Defied basically what I think all odds. I mean, it it was. 
it was something to see. Sure was. And uh, I'm glad I'm glad we got to witness it. I knew it was going to happen. I'm and here we, we are. And I, I, I got to tell you this. I before we got to really get out of here, but man. Oh my, we talked about it. Yeah, we talked about it for like 25. I think this is that big of a, this is that big of a topic to talk about. This this is huge. And um, my last point is, I didn't know. I I, I like dreamed about what it was going to be like. We thought about what it was going to be like when he won, and I didn't quite know. But when it happened, man, I don't think it could have played out any better. Oh, the no. drama of all those guys at the top, the rain coming right behind them, having to start early. Just this is probably hands down the best Masters I've ever watched, and I think a lot of people are saying this is the best Masters ever with how many people got close at the at the top of the leaderboard, and the way that he had to fight and stay consistent, and Melinari was not backing off, and then finally made some mistakes, and Tiger, you know, made that hit on the par three sixteen, and it came in with two feet of three feet of the hole. I mean. Oh, Inc- that, was, that was the par three, correct? Where it was like that was the perfect shot. That's how I knew he was going to win. He was yeah. just going to win. Absolutely. And we got this get, is the absolute last. We thing. have like, to go. I'm so glad that we got to talk about this today, yeah. and I'm so glad we got to watch it. Uh, it, it was. It was this is one of those moments that you are going. And I swear it is. This is one of those moments that you are going to look back on YouTube 50 years ago, and you will remember it just like everybody remembers when Michael Jordan made the shot. You know when they were that when people had were able to see that. And then the Muhammad Ali fights, things like that. I mean, people remember. This is one of those moments. And um, I'm glad that we also, I'm glad we get to talk about it. And, you know, I thought about what it was going to be like, but man, it couldn't have played out any better. And then obviously at the end, the uh, the poetry when he was hugging his kid, and it was just like when Earl Woods was hugging him when he won his first. And his mom was still there, and it's great. And, you know, the return of the roar. Tiger Woods is back. And I am going to basically bet on him to win the PGA Championship. And I think you are too. But that's all the time we have for this segment. And the Champions Tour now. Up next, Micah, we are going to get into some playoff basketball. The Warriors just seem to have the issue with the numbers 3 and 1. They blow a 3-1 lead three years ago in the 2016 Finals to LeBron James. And they blow a 31-point lead last night, both on the wrong side of history. Um, You know, 31-point lead playoff was... The, was, was the biggest comeback ever in the playoff history. I and was so stunned. I was stunned, too. We're going to talk about that when we get back, Micah. You're listening to The Hot Seat here on UTARadio.com. So Welcome back. Whoa, I am a little bit too hot. That's okay. I'm Mike, too. Mike, too. Yeah. Welcome back here to The Hot Seat. UTARadio.com. Radio FX. And as always, streaming live on Facebook Live. Check Micah Cole for that live stream. Man, only 30 minutes left in this thing. Um, Wait, oh god. I know we we uh, we we had we talked a lot to Krista, and then uh, that was a nice conversation. And yeah, so Co- was the Tiger yeah, Woods we talked a lot to Coach, you know, Coach Garlic and the Tiger. It was meant to. It, it had it had to, it had to be done. Uh, but Tiger uh, had to be talked. Oh, about. absolutely. No matter how long it took, it was worth it. But we haven't got a chance to really talk about the playoffs um, as they're unfolding. But we're going to talk about it right now. Well, um, what's the poll real quick? Uh, yeah, opinion. it is. What's the poll real quick on the Tiger? Is he back? Uh, oh yeah. He's back 100 percent. Perfect. 100. percent Hey, I like that. Oh, absolutely. I love to see that. So, I'm sure I turned this game too. off, Micah. Because I thought it was over, and I know you did too. We we were watching it while we were at uh, Chili's uh, two days ago. <laughs> we literally watching the stars. Like, What's the point? Because they were up at that point by almost actually forty. I mean, and and it ended up. I think the two, biggest lead was thirty one. I thought it was almost forty. Maybe it was. It, maybe it, felt it was like almost, it though. Maybe no it was less. almost. Maybe I thought it was almost thirty. And I meant okay. So 
whatever it was. It was a very big lead, okay? And on the left. Yeah, and um, anyways, they ended up getting to, yes, it was a 31-point lead at one point in the second half. And I was like, no issues, just Golden State being Golden State. And this is already after DeMarcus Cousins went back to the locker room. He now has a left-torn quad. Uh, he's out for the playoffs officially, as they just mentioned a couple hours ago, uh, which is funny to me. I'm like, you don't have to hold that in. We know when he has a left tear in his quad. I mean, a tear in his left quad, he's out. You could he, tell by yeah. the way he looked. I mean, he just kind of knew. <laughs> well, muscles, you know, muscle injuries are very hard to just come back the next two days or three weeks, and the playoffs are only so long. But, no. They ended up blowing this game, Micah. I was... And now this is the largest uh, blow, you know, in, in playoff history, which is basically the largest comeback from the Clippers' side in playoff oh, history, 31 God. points. So, I really just want to get... I mean, does this give you any reason, if you're the Warriors, a pause, you know, cause to pause or a concern? No. You know, they're, Not they're, okay. All. Not right now, particularly. I mean, <coughs> you were bound to have... Like this is just one of those nights where the Clippers was just on in the in the in the third and fourth quarter. You're not going to score 90 points in two quarters very often. This is not going to happen. The Clippers cannot maintain that. The Warriors are probably the only team that I know that can maintain such a high shooting percentage and at such a high rate. Credit to the Clippers. I mean, they yeah. hung in there. They could have easily folded and just said, "You know what? Let's just go back home." <laughs> uh, they literally could have just folded credit to them i mean that's phenomenal what they were able to do but no i'm not worried about golden state right now give me give me something to actually be worried about like one game three maybe we can start talking about it but <laughs> no one game it's gonna happen do you think it's hard to go 16 and 0 okay. yeah it is so, i wish it i mean it almost happened a couple yeah, years it ago. almost did and then lebron had the game that cleveland had the game of their lives when making 23 threes that's what it took to win a game in those playoffs <laughs> no kidding golden state so and um you know I mean, do you think that their laziness will get in the way? Because, like, listen, so they're, they're going to play. They're going to finish up here against the Clippers, barring that anything crazy happens. They're going to beat them probably in five, if not six. And then they're probably going to go, I would say, most likely play against the Houston team. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Can you get, I mean, what happens there honestly, if they get lazy? Honestly, if, if I'm looking at this game, I'm thinking of it as a magnificent wake-up call. Okay. To, because you need a game like this, especially when you kind of in – blazing through the regular season you needed something to kind of let you know hey this is serious time because i mean the clippers are no joke they did win 48 nah, they played games. tough man they played tough and they traded everybody at the trade deadline saying we're gonna hold we're gonna rebuild and they still made the playoffs well, patrick My beverly goodness. is a patrick beverly got bad dude man <laughs> <laughs> just what a what a team that that team was able to put together and i think that game two win also puts into perspective the kind of season that they've had they just continue to fight and that's also, credit to Doc Rivers, too. What a phenomenal coach. Just what a phenomenal coach. Seriously. Putting that team, put, they put in their mind, like, hey, we're not going to quit. And he even mentioned they, there was multiple times where they were down 20, 25 points during the regular season. They kept fighting. They kept competing. I think that's just a t testament to the kind of culture that they have with that team. I don't, I, I don't think I'm too worried about it. Um, but it does tell me that they're not exactly locked in just yet. And I get no. why they're not. But you would think that when the playoffs started, especially that first game with Steph dropping 38 points and 15 rebounds, oh. I mean, that's you don't see point guards do that very often. And the, his, and the numbers, the stats back that up. That, that only happened a few times. But I'm not worried too yet. But, man, I mean, I, would have, I, I expect more out of this Golden State team. And I get that it is very hard to stay interested 
But this is in the, the playoffs when you are interested. I know, but that's the thing. It's like this is your time, which tells me that they still believe that. I mean, like, and it's obvious the talent discrepancy is obvious. But man, but they're still taking off. Um, honestly, probably maybe not even against Houston because Houston is different now. But the Houston. Western Conference Finals. But I'm telling you, better be careful because it could sneak up on you. People are saying that the Warriors are vulnerable, and they have lost. They are vulnerable. They've lost games that they probably shouldn't have lost this year because they just got bored. They got stomped by Dallas yeah. earlier, and they also lost a close one earlier in the year that they so probably should have won. So it shows but, you that in these playoffs, if they do sleep, they can lose. They're not invincible, but man, if they just play like they're supposed to, nobody can beat them. But no, that's what that tells they, me right there. And I think that goes back to something you said earlier in the year. There's only one thing that can get in yeah. the way, which is just like Duke themselves. <laughs> Literally yeah, themselves. Yeah, that's it. Now that's no discredit to what the Clippers did, because obviously they still had to to execute what they their game plan and to come back into the game. But it's the honest truth. If if they're getting in their own way, they can win whenever they want to. If they want to win, they will win. Yeah. But when they get in their way, oh, own way, oh boy, it's a it's a train wreck. <laughs> and they let Patrick Beverly get into, or Kevin Durant let Patrick Beverly get into his head a little bit. I think, like that looked. Like a key factor. I mean, no, yeah, Patrick, I mean they were that, Patrick, that's, and that's I think, the thing. The technical with... foul on Kevin Durant, and then there was the the foul out. But he was just that's the thing on with Patrick Beverly, all, all, man, man. Though is that he is just he's that just guy, a and he is. I mean, he doesn't say it like he's like I'm not. I'm not trying to go out there to you know get into somebody's head or anything. He's but like clearly I just, he knows he goes, what he's doing. He just goes, I just play this way, which is so impressive of Patrick Beverly. <laughs> is he did it with Lonzo Ball but, when he came into the league? He's doing it now with Kevin Durant. This guy is just a workhorse, a workhorse on the defensive end, and you don't see much like that in the NBA. No, and that's something that's a valuable asset for the Clippers. And if, if they're going to have any shot in maybe winning even another game, <laughs> he's going to be a key factor into that because just the way that he plays, just his toughness, and man, there's a lot to like yeah. about Patrick Beverly. I mean, he's just a very pesky player. He just plays tough. He grinds every. Trip down the floor, and, defensively and offensively. And, you know, and with the last like four minutes here, we have in the segment. This is this was a surprise for them to lose. I just want to know real quick um, before we have to get off the subject because we're going to talk about football next uh, with Dak Prescott. But what have been your your what's been your surprise team in the West and your surprise team in the East? Like, like who has kind of like so okay, far like yeah, in the playoffs? Yeah, or so this far. Year? No, so far like in, the in the playoffs. playoffs. Who's like Ooh. okay? I didn't see that one well, coming. Good job. In the East, I kind of had the Nets winning that first game, like winning one of the first two. But for me, in the East, it's got to be the Orlando Magic. Yeah. Like I just, I just, I guess for me, I just wasn't, ex- I just didn't expect anything. And you kind of told me going in that first game, like, hey, Orlando might have a shot to win this game. And yeah. My gosh. <laughs> They and, came out and won that first game, and I was sitting there stunned. It shows you. I was what, actually rooting for Orlando yeah. in that game. I'm like, okay, I want Creighton to be right on this one. It shows you I what they. I kind of like uh, that team, the team that they put together, because they have a lot of nice pieces. Uh-huh. They're going to be really good in the future, but I didn't think they were ready yet. It shows you what and, they could have had if they had Mobamba oh, on the floor. Oh my goodness! Seriously, He's, and I mean, that he team was still made the playoffs there. without Mobamba. Exactly. And man, it's going to be a lot of fun watching that team be kind of be back. And I'm sure the Orlando fans are very excited because they haven't been since the Dwight era. Surprise team in the West. The surprise team in the West, I think it has to be the Clippers right now. <laughs> the way that they came back, they did a really good job. Denver's also kind of a surprise. I honestly thought they were going to lose last night because they, really? got, they got down to an early double-digit deficit, but they were able to battle back, and that's a young team. Remember that. They're 
I think they still have a shot to win the series. If they can steal one in San Antonio, that home court advantage is too unreal. I don't I don't see San Antonio going back in there and winning another game. Yep. My I mean, pick- they'll keep it close, but yeah. I th- that man, it's going to be hard to win a game 5 or a 7 over there with especially with the mile high elevation uh factor. I agree. My surprise team in the East, I think I'm going to also have to go with Orlando because without Mobamba when he got hurt and had the surgery, I was like Okay, th- those guys are probably dead in the water, and here they are. Um, here they are. They don't look too shabby. They're, they they're not like going. I mean, they they're not going like to obviously. The basketball yeah, team. obviously they're not going to make it to the uh, Easter Conference Finals, probably, or even you know, obviously not. Maybe the not fi- even the second not, round. Not even the second round. Not the finals, but, but man, credit they to are. Them for going they are a tough out. They are really are a tough. They're going to give you a hard time. And they're... yeah, and my uh, surprise team on the West, not because they've been good, but because they've been bad. And I think you know who I'm going towards the Oklahoma City Thunder. Just haven't lived up. I thought this was a team that could, if anybody was going to contend with Golden State, it would be Russell Westbrook and Paul George. And now we're having questions about, is Russell Westbrook overrated? And so that is that just tells you how bad it's been for Russell Westbrook because he's had a minus, a plus minus of minus 18 and a half. And that is not good if you're <laughs> Russell Westbrook. No, it is not good at all. He's going to have a lot to prove here these next couple of games. Now, I will say I have an honorable mention, and that goes in the same series with Portland. I Like, just the way... The, in the regular season, they got tossed around by Oklahoma City in the regular season. Yeah. And everyone counted them out in this series. Literally everybody counted them out. And here they are, up two games to nothing. you got to be mighty impressed if you're a Portland Trailblazers fan. you got to be a, you got to be able to let off a little bit of relief. Because like, you were coming in, those players probably too, because they were trying to lose that final game of the season. They, they ran a six-man rotation. There's players I've never even seen before. Yeah. I'm so serious. And they managed to win. They got the three seed, and now you're sitting kind of nice right now. I mean, maybe Oklahoma City got a little too confident. I don't know. They also and, went know, ice I mean, cold in that first and the game, thing is, too, you know, you know, to the, be fair. The Trailblazers have, time in and time out, have been a surprise team. You know, they have been. They always seem to be in the mix. They've been even a team that you, know, you, don't, like you don't think is going to be so good. And here we are once again, another year saying, is Dame Dollar, which he is, just as good as Russell Westbrook. Just, I think he's on that level. And so if he, he was playing for the playoffs, man, if he year. was playing for the Lakers, Go get him, Los Angeles. That they talk about Kimball Walker. Go get, go get Damian Lillard. I love Kimball Walker, but man, if you had Damian Lillard playing with playing with LeBron James, I mean, oh, granted, those man. are two ball dominant players. I know it'd probably be hard to work out, but LeBron James is a great passer, and he would understand if he was really running to win a championship. Go get him. But yeah, no, that I think uh, that Portland team. Uh, we'll see what happens with them. But Michael, that's all the time we have for this segment. Uh, Man, it's going to be fun to see how these playoffs end out. I know a lot of people say that the NHL is better than the NBA, but I think it just goes one and the same your perspective. Uh, well, to the, be fair, Columbus ready. just swept Tampa Bay. They sure did. And, and get that ready. was phenomenal. The NBA is going to pick up here in the next couple of rounds. But, Micah, uh, up next, man, we've been, we've been, we haven't been talking about it for a bit, but here they are. They're back, and that means football season is officially back here in the hot seat. Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. His contract is in question. A lot of people are saying, should he get a you know? Should he get as big as a contract as other players like Russell Wilson, or should he be humble and get a pay cut? We will talk about that here on the hot seat. Listen to utaradio.com. Welcome back. Hope I got some brothers that outlive me. The hot seat. They gon' tell the story here was on utaradio.com. iHeartRadio. God's plan. Radio FX. I hope that sometimes I won't. Facebook Live. I'm Mike. I feel good sometimes I don't. Cole. I finesse that. I'm alongside the Birdman, Creighton Branch, as I foolishly put down the wrong 
out. How's that board working for you, man? It's going alright. It's going good. I'm, I'm figuring it. Out. Sorry, that just looks so deceiving. Cause it feels like three should be right there. Oh my goodness. Look. I need to just load them all into to one. <laughs> Dang it. That's Seriously. why I do that. Because, <sighs> like, I load up multiple things, and then it's like, okay, well, okay, whatever. I mean, but, I mean, sorry, yeah, we were I, told not to talk about the board, but we just No, we, walls, we so. kidding me? We always, we always talk about the board on this show. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but this is the hot seat, so all, we, all we, we, we have... break the rules here on the hot seat. Yeah, that's what you want to call it. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. The would say they don't care, but... Who cares if they care or not? I mean, it's nice for them to know what the mistake I just made. Like, we can all laugh. But that's okay here on the hot seat. That's warranted. <laughs> we laugh at each other's mistakes. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. In a, in, a, in a caring and loving way. So. You go with your soliloquy? Yeah. Sure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so Creighton. No, you're fine. So let's my, get into Dak Prescott. Absolutely, Micah. Russell Wilson just signed with the Seattle Seahawks. Again, I really thought he was going to opt down and go somewhere else. Honestly, I was fooled into believing that too. Yeah, seriously. I did a lot too. of people were speculating the Giants, which would have been. Should have came to the Cowboys. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would have loved that. Anyway, I mean, tell me who wouldn't want Russell Wilson yeah. as their star quarterback just on their saying. team? But honestly, I think he deserved the money. Oh, heck Four yeah. He's decent. If, he's a phenomenal player. He he's an MVP, the, man. He oh, should have won already. He's the best player in the NFL. Well, what? Not, not best what? Sorry. what? Whoa! Wrong whoa! Whoa! whoa. Best, wrong word. Well, what's the right he's one? He's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. There How do you mess that? How do you mess that up? <laughs> that was completely wrong wording. <laughs> but definitely one of the best players in the NFL. Is he better than Tom Brady? No. Oh, okay. I was just going to see if you went into that trap. A lot of people would say he was. No. Stats-wise, I guess you could but say. But let's be honest, heck, though. No. He's carried that team last oh, year to the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, that's why he should have been an MVP he, already. I know. Why was he not the MVP last year? But you know, what this, are we doing? Are we the, playing? Huh? Yeah, this segment's not about uh, Russell, but we have, you know, we got we to kind of co- put oh, yeah, it in context. But, but oh, yeah. Uh, four-year, $140 million. Into what we yeah, need to talk Four-year, $140 million deal. That is now the richest player in NFL history, if, you ask, if I believe correct. Yes. Yes, and um, most per year. It was an extension. So now the question is, that Prescott is up. Oh. Does he deserve kind of that money as all these other quarterbacks are uh, getting? Or is should he be a player? And people, uh, people have said this. Should that be a player that humbles himself, takes a pay cut, gives Amari Cooper more money, and get somebody else on that roster. What do you think? Is he is he Look, a big time quarterback moneymaker, or is he think, does he need to be a mid tier? I think he's a good quarterback, but I'm not going to put him at elite status like Russell Wilson because I think that's totally unfair. He's done some good things here. I'm not trying to discredit him, but let's be honest. Some of it has to do with the talent he's had around him too. Because I mean, he had a good offensive line. Yeah, and he's had the best offensive has, line when he came in. Yeah. Best offensive line whenever he first came in. And then now you have Amari Cooper. And you're also going to have Randall Cobb, which I, I liked that pickup. That's going to help. I mean, he's he's been good, but I wouldn't put him in elite status. Uh, I'd say he needs to take a step back and allow us to go get somebody else. That's my Who opinion. would you want? If you even know, I'm just, putting, well, I'm just asking if you had anybody. You might not. I, I think the defense is good. I mean, maybe we could use another player on the secondary. But... I would go with offense, like wide receiver. Try to get another receiver somewhere. Who? Anybody not really Sure. Okay. Like, not at the moment, no. Um, yeah, I agree with you on the this. The running game's good. Maybe get <laughs> yeah. another person at right tackle, because, I mean, apparently whenever Zach Martin's out, everything goes to mayhem. Right. Six sacks in one game. 
Chaz Green. Okay. Anyways, um, you know, I I, I agree guy. with you. I agree with you. And this is this is it's tough, man, to root against. Uh, to I'm not. I want to say I'm rooting against him, but it's tough to go against him. You know, this is a guy that comes in. You know, he came in fourth round pick. Nobody was expecting much of him. Great player at Mississippi State. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't. You know. Which just shows you where the NFL is going with quarterbacks. I mean, same thing with Baker Mayfield and these guys. You know, he doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not the, you know, he's he's tall, but he's not the tallest person. And, you know, they just thought his IQ wasn't where it needed to be. But yeah, he comes in. You just mentioned it. He's got a he's got a great uh, system the first couple of years. Uh, but nonetheless, he's still winning ball games for this club. And whether you like it or not. The, the dink and dack is what they call it with the passing, you know, five, six, seven yards and no, no long plays. It worked and he wins games. And that's really all that matters when it comes down to it. But if you ask me, I don't think Dak can get it done as a, there's, there's certain quarterbacks in this league that I trust one being Tom Brady, another being like, maybe like a Russell Wilson um, I don't even know if I've been. Yeah, I'm, I'm debating I mean, about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl. It's been a long time. He hasn't done much with it after maybe that. Maybe he'll go 14 years and win another Super Bowl. <laughs> right. But uh, no, um, those kinds of players that I can trust them, that they don't have a lot of talent, that they're going to still be there. They're going to find a way to will their team. And, and with Dak, it doesn't seem like he's there yet. So I don't know if you can give Dak big time money because. You're trying, you know, you you got Demarcus Lawrence back, and you know you're trying to get all these other players paid again. Zeke's gonna have a contract coming up. It's just hard for me to believe that you can give Dak a big time extension, like these other quarterbacks, and be okay because he's probably not gonna be. He's got to have more players around him to win. And I'm not saying that Ezekiel Elliott is the sole reason this team's good. I mean, I think Dak and Zeke are one, not one and the same, but they're basically right there. I think you have to have you know both of them for this team to win. Oh yeah. Cuz without Dak, I don't I think Zeke does good, but I don't think they win as much as they do. And well, without Dak, I mean without Zeke, I mean Dak's going to have a hard time too. He can't defer to anybody. And we I think we saw it whenever Zeke got suspended. Yeah. We went 3 and 3 given Dak did adjust a little bit and he got better, but you could just tell it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same whenever True. Zeke was out. And then you saw that last year when things kind of started to pick up with a five game winning streak. You just saw the flow. It was so much different and so much better. Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott just attacking and attacking. I mean, it's just so much different whenever they're both on the field together because they yeah. they can they can just function so like it's so clean and so much fun to watch. Like it's not always the prettiest. Like the Saints game last year it wasn't the prettiest. It was all about the defense, but it's it's just so unique and a, and an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, it like, is. It's a lot of fun to watch whenever it's all flowing. Like between, but I'm not gonna say it. But Dak still needs the help. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and you saw getting Amari, Amari Cooper yeah, exactly. Getting Amari Cooper yeah. sparked that run to the playoffs and winning the NFC. They East. wouldn't have made it without him. Oh, no. seriously. Like, he was literally the. I'm not gonna say the sole reason, but he's a he major part. It was a major part <laughs> he in was why almost. we made the playoff. Because um, I mean, other things still had to go right, but right. He obviously played a role, a major role in no, yeah. why we got to the I, uh, I think I think Dak is one of those guys still that's trying to prove something. Um, I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's there yet. And, you know, I, I, I get a mid-tier contract I think I'm okay with. Not 140 or 
whatever million dollars, but like, you know, Maybe twelve. I, what? 12? 12? Twelve. a year or twelve no, total? Twelve million. Whoa. A year. Like I'd give him. 10, I, 12, I'd, I'd give him. I'd give him. I'd give him fifty. He's still done some good. I'd give him fifty. I think he's a quality quarterback. Yeah. And the one thing you know in this NFL is, was I mean, was the NFL stand for? Not for long. You cannot. You no know, fun league is what I call. Oh uh, well, that it is that too. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have another topic of that when it comes. Eventually, it'll happen again. But not for long. You can't give up quarterbacks if they're at least decent. I think in the NFL because you don't know what's going to happen if you get another one. You can't guarantee when you give up a decent quarterback that you're going to get a better one. It's just how it works. That's why they pay, and I, I completely don't like that, but that's why they pay Cousins as much money as they do. That's why they paid Osweiler as much money as they did. You know, all of those guys. And it's just, it's just it, it doesn't make much sense, but I get why they do it. But before we get out of here, Micah, did you see, we're going to end on a little funny note, did you see the video, the reincarnation of the, um, the Russell Wilson video with his wife? And they were in the bed, and then Tyler Tyler Lockett recreated it, and was it was was uh, doing a what do you call it, a parody of it in his own bed with the other teammates. I don't think I've seen it yet. Oh, you gotta watch it. It is. Watch it. <laughs> is it like a commercial or no? No, it's just an Instagram video. Okay. Yeah, it was just an Instagram it. video. You got you got to watch it. It was making me laugh. Me and Bailey were talking about it today. That's why I was mentioning it. But yeah, no, Dak. Dak uh, definitely, and I don't. I that and we I think we've said this the next year we are going to find out maybe it was even you know these past couple of games we're going to find out a lot about Dak Prescott and who he really is if he is a a bust or if he's a uh, a really really good blessing in disguise from a fourth round if he's a starting quarterback or not is really what we're going to find out I think as of right now I think it ended up kind of working out for us but I'm still not convinced that. He's maybe that elite status, and yet, I don't. But I don't think that the Deacon Dak, status. what the way he does, no. I don't think he has to throw sixty yard bombs like Aaron Rodgers does to be elite. He doesn't have to. No, he can win like, games. Yeah, and he does. Yeah, I mean seriously. Even I mean the short pass can work, and he's been accurate with it. But I mean, you obviously he still needs Zeke to function. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, because that's part of the game plan. That's part of the game plan. If you have to give up one, who do you give up? I don't think they will, but if you had to. That's a tough call, man. I'd Zeke have to get Dak. back to you on that one. What do you? What's your heart telling you right now? Probably Dak. Okay. I like the way that Zeke. <laughs> that tells you what, what, how much money they should give Dak then. Yeah, I would easily probably keep Zeke as a bright. Huh. Okay, I get that. Well, that is all the time we have for the hot seat today. It was a little bit of a special edition as we had Coach Gerlick on for the entire first hour. Went straight, no commercial breaks. What's up, Pulse? Before but, we get out of here, real quick. Uh, no, Dak does not deserve. But just a little shout-out to the Stars. They did split and tie the series. They tonight. finally won! Oh, my They're gosh! They're split 2-2 now. No way! Just before we get out, what do you think it's going to take for them to potentially win this series if they have a shot at this point? Uh, Better goalkeeping. I mean, he's been pretty darn good what? in this series. Yeah. What did he do the last game when they lost? He allowed three goals. What do you, how, how? Well, two off deflections. Yeah, don't do that. That's unfortunate. That's the worst game since February 1st. I don't care. Don't have another bad game. You won't. Also, take more shots. Oh, that too. Yeah. And and convert on your power plays. Well, apparently we did tonight because we scored five goals. That's great. Do it again. Game three. I mean, game five. What I'm saying. They, Big, game first to win huge. three. Game five is going to be crazy. We'll watch that one together. And oh, when yeah. they do. On Saturday. I hope you prove me wrong. I, I want you to be wrong. I hope you prove me wrong. But if they lose. Just know I was right. 
Anyways. Well, even if they lose game five, they still got game six. Whatever. No matter what, they're coming back here for another game. Ah, uh, yeah, that's that's the hope of the Stars fan right there. Yeah, <laughs> hey, no. they will. I, they will. I believe they're they gonna will win this pull series. on your heart until you finally hey, break. You know what? One day they're gonna break through. Yeah, I one think day. This is it. I'm I just think waiting this for is it. it. When is it? This series. Okay, we'll I see. I think this is it. We I can hope beat Nashville. I hope, I hope you are right, Mike. I really do, man. I think we can go into And Nashville. I'm a Stars fan. Well, I'm a Stars fan. We're well, not talking about this right now, but fine. Go but ahead. Real quick, I think they can go into Nashville and win again because, I mean, they've won three right. out of the four in Nashville this year. That's they've done a really good job. So, bad. And surprisingly, it's flipped script coming to Dallas. They've won three or four here. So luckily the one we won was tonight. Man, we gotta win at home, man. That's that is no, oh. but but it's okay. All right, Mike. Uh, that is all the time we have for the hot seat special edition. As I just said, we had Coach Gerlich on for the entire first hour. No breaks. I thought that was needed and necessary. Um, that was a redundant statement, but it was needed. And I think it was great insight to finally hear what it's like to win it. You know, have someone who has won a championship and be in that moment and just. Her insight in the game of basketball. We she should is get a, Tiger Woods on next. I week. wish. We, he, <laughs> she is an incredible, smart mind. She is so knowledgeable about the game of basketball. You can just see it and hear it, um, especially when she was on the show. Um, but no, thank you guys to everyone that stuck around and listened to the end of this. Uh, and also, thank you for listening during the non commercial break of Krista Gerlich. Uh, that was just incredible you know, it, knowledge to hear. And so we thank you. And we're gonna try to beat this rain. Uh, I think I think we got a good shot at it now. I think we have a decent shot. I do. Let's take a look at the radar here. In we'll just we'll a take a look at the radar off, off the air. Off the air. Off the air. Don't but thank worry. you guys. As always, my name is Creighton Branch, the man on my right this time, working the board, Micah Ka Cole. This is the hot seat. We will be back. Our is it our last show next week or the week after? No, two weeks. We got two more shows with y'all. So please stay tuned. Every Wednesday, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. You're listening to The Hot Seat here on utradio.com. We will see you guys next week.